Hello and welcome to Inside the 18. As many of you know, Daryl Grove of the Total Soccer Show has been fighting an ongoing battle with cancer for the past couple years. I'm sad to report that Daryl passed away surrounded by loved ones and friends at his home in Richmond, Virginia. If you want to send your condolences to everyone at TSS, you can mail them to their headquarters at 530 East Main Street, 912 Richmond, Virginia, 23219. It will be listed in the show notes. I wanted to take a moment to share how appreciative and honored I am for everything TSS did for me personally and inside the 18. There may not be a podcast if I hadn't one day opened up my iTunes and stumbled upon TSS on a long commute to a goalkeeper session. Daryl and Taylor showcase that you can educate and entertain and don't have to sacrifice one for the other in the football landscape. I had the great fortune of getting to know Daryl on a personal level when we spent a month on a comedy tour together in the summer of 2018. Daryl even took time out of his busy schedule on a rest day to show me around town and take me out to one of his favorite restaurants. It was unbelievable and in typical Daryl fashion, he refused to let me pay for anything. He said it was his town and you're my guest. We even had a chance to have Daryl on the show in the very early days of I-18. That segment is included before our regularly scheduled content, but it will be time-stamped in the show notes as we understand it may be too difficult for some to listen to. Thank you, Daryl, for all you've done for the soccer community, and on with the show. Welcome back to Inside the 18, live from United Soccer Coaches Convention, day 347, I think it is. (laughs) I feel like we've been here for a while. In fact, we've been here so long, the exhibitors are already leaving the exhibit hall. That's how long we've been here. Um, but we've been having a fantastic time here, and we've been having people from all different sides of the game, uh, not just goalkeepers, but media personalities, uh, technicians, uh, software developers, and uh, we've saved some of the best for the last. And uh, I had the great fortune of being able to go on tour uh, with this young man uh, to the right of me right now. Uh, I was absolutely humbled by the fact that uh, Total Soccer Show was willing when I came up with this idea of like, hey, you know, we should all do this uh, this soccer comedy tour thing. And uh, I think the first thing that, uh, that Daryl and Taylor said to me is like, how's this going to work? But, uh, <laughs> but it was absolutely fantastic. We had a great time. And you guys were incredible on it so obviously i'm talking about the one and only daryl grove from total soccer show uh daryl thanks for being on inside the 18 and uh for those of you guys out there listening that one person that isn't familiar with the total soccer show uh as we can <laughs> tell the goal. we're not there yet but that's the goal oh no come on everybody's been walking by at, at the booth here they've literally all been like yeah goalkeeping we don't care oh my gosh they've got free notebooks here it's total soccer show let's come <laughs> over here and take pictures so you guys the, the second most popular question is um is this the boat show <laughs> We've been directing people to the boat show. <laughs> Wait, there's a boat show? There's a boat on? show, yeah. Some people are accidentally wandering into the soccer show. That is absolutely hilarious. The, the number one question we've been getting is, is this registration? <laughs> Which means that nobody reads anything here. Yeah. They don't read anything at all. So um, tell, tell my listeners that who don't know about TSS what TSS is all about. Okay, so Total Soccer Show um, is, um, the essence of the show is we like to watch a game, re-watch a game, figure out what happened and then give some analysis of the sort of how and why. So like, you know, you see a goal, it happens. Um, I feel like a lot, of, um, a lot of coverage of stuff is, oh, that goal was good. Yeah, that goal was good. We like to, you know, go back a few minutes and figure out what, what did this team do to open the space to, to end up scoring that goal. And what I love about what you guys do is that you just don't 
break it down like you were just saying, like, oh, that, that guy scored or that guy didn't score or anything like that. But you guys actually break it down position by position and, you know, uh, middle third of the field, you know, attacking third of the field, defensive third, you know, everything that's going on in the game. And when he says we rewatch a game, he is not lying because you guys <laughs> literally – I can't imagine how many hours of DVR footage you guys have of games because yeah. – we do love deleting. We make sure to delete uh, between weeks. <laughs> but you'll rewind. You, I mean, sometimes like you'll. By the time that it, when you guys are listening to a game, if they say, "Ah, oh, we're doing a, a breakdown of this Champions League match," they've watched that maybe three times. And you watch it not only from the first time you watch it from kind of a fan perspective, right? Yeah. And or then, at least to try and enjoy it, right? To make yeah. sure you just enjoy watching the game. Yeah. yeah. And then that that next time that you're watching, you're watching it from like specific moments in the game, mm -hmm. and also from specific positions in the game. And one thing that I guess you guys do, it's the funniest thing I love is uh, people like yourself or Taylor. You go well. Well, we're not really goalkeepers. I don't really know what we can bring to your audience. Yeah, I've got to say I'm slightly nervous. There's going to be some goalkeeper question. I just I, I won't know the answer. No, but the thing is, is that you guys provide such a great match analysis that even if you don't, and, and honestly, give yourselves you a lot more credit because you guys do know starting positions. You guys do know angles. You guys can recognize bad behavior by a goalkeeper, good behavior by a goalkeeper, just because you guys have been watching so much football and playing so much football your entire lives. You know, so like the way you guys broke down the Allison play just a couple weeks ago. Oh, just, the near post thing. Yeah, 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 was just as good as Omar did it. So basically, what I'm saying <laughs> is that if Omar can no longer do this, I can just bring you on, and it does <laughs> the exact same thing. You know, and by the way, I'm I'm not trying to just keep Omar away from the the microphone right now. He just said he's like, Mike, I'm so exhausted. Can you just lead this conversation? <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. Yeah, yeah. Say something. No, I think what you guys are doing is great because I think it's a it's a lost art. A lot of people don't really go in depth with the analysis, and I think a lot of people there's a lot of people who rather have the substance. To me, and with my channel, I'd rather have an audience that really cares about the game. Of course, you want to have entertainment on stuff, but you want to have the audience that you know that they love the game for the reason, not just to throw on a podcast or whatever. You want them to actually feel like they're a part of it. So you guys do a really good job, and I've been telling Mike, you guys do a really good job, and and it's right up my alley in terms of analysis. So. I enjoy what you guys do. That's, little, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I feel like you guys have been very uh, complimentary, right? Which <laughs> yeah. I really do appreciate. Yeah, um, yeah. I also appreciate you calling me young. I'm not <laughs> sure you know exactly how old I am. I'll, I'll tell you off air. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I would like some feedback on the goalkeeper stuff. Like, like I said, you were very complimentary, but is there anything that you think, uh, the way Taylor and I talk about goalkeeping, is there anything we miss, anything we get wrong, anything, or do you have any recommendations for ways we could learn more about goalkeeping like, without like, you know, taking a whole course or uh, you know, going to LA Goalkeeper I don't know if you Academy. know this, we're at a convention right now that has goalkeeper <laughs> courses taking place. Yeah. Um, no, honestly, you know, one thing that I would probably suggest is if you guys sometimes every once in a while had a goalkeeping expert on yeah. to maybe break down a specific situation that happened in a major game, you know. Um, obviously, like we're talking about the Allison situation right there. You know, um, there's some great goalkeeper coaches got in your, even in your neck of the woods that you could bring on that could provide that. Um, I actually know some goalkeeper coaches that are great at providing uh, educational entertainment content, uh, namely Omar Zini at Pro GK Academy. He's very good at that kind of a stuff. Um you know, I think. But what, what sort of thing would they would say, Omar, or you, or anyone so else, I think be I th seeing that we don't see? I'm, I'm genuinely interested to I think know the how I you think, see I it. Think, I think the thing is, is that you guys understand from a tactical standpoint. Um, what we understand is from a technical standpoint, and I think sometimes that gets lost. Like I know. Sometimes so talking about footwork, that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're talking, we're talking about footwear. Um, no footwork. Oh, footwork. Yeah. 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 We're talking about footwork in regards <laughs> to the fact that like uh, that preparation touch that that goalkeeper took before that distribution that led to that you know that mistake you know yeah. in the midfield you know uh, a lot of times you go like well that was a great step over by Ederson you know but in reality he made that move because he took a bad touch and that kind of thing and that's something sometimes that a oh goalkeeper so like when you see goalkeepers doing flash things yeah. is it often because they've got themselves in trouble exactly okay yeah like yeah, yeah. for instance remember 
I mean, not to keep beating Allison, who's probably one of the world's greatest goalkeepers, but earlier in his Liverpool career, he had that one situation where he tried to Cruyff turn. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and that was one of the situations where it's like, yeah, it's great to be comfortable with your feet, but you have to understand where and where you are on the field. You know, so maybe if you'd gone a little bit more in depth into that and type of thing. And I, I, again, I, I, I say I say this as nitpicking because yeah, I think yeah, you no, guys I do, mean, but I, I like do, to be nitpicked so we can yeah, figure things out, right? You yeah. know, so that's a really good thing. Also, I think a great thing too is that um, you know Taylor was once talking about the fact that he's actually had to step in and play in goal, and I think that yeah, gives you a our, different perspective for our club team. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you know, um, but yeah, that that is I think one thing that I think you guys could could do better in that regards but there's mm-hmm. so much you guys are already doing in regards to the game another thing too is uh what about what breakdown in you guys do a good job of this in regards to the breakdown of the back line that led to the shot on goal yeah what could the goalkeeper have done better after that breakdown took place sometimes yeah so my advice to you is watch the goalkeeper um rather than just watch the the, uh, the development of the play sometimes and break down his position, his starting position to start mm-hmm. with, he or she's starting position to start so with. The thing I always think about is we watch so many games on TV. Um, you know, I go to live matches as well, but more games on TV than live matches. And I'm always reminded at a live match how much the goalkeeper is talking, a good goalkeeper at least, how much they're talking to their back line, yeah. communicating. And I think because uh, you don't get a close-up of a goalkeeper until something very good or very bad has happened, and you don't get the audio of them yelling at the back line, or it's rare, that that gets lost on television, and then I forget to, to even look for that kind of stuff. Well, it even, if, honestly, a podcast like ourselves, it actually makes our job much more difficult sometimes than like what you guys are doing, because you guys are looking at the, you know, a, you know, the development of a play in midfield or something like that, and the yeah. camera is focused on the ball. Yeah. So where whoever you know whoever has possession of the ball, generally the camera's following that. Yeah. A lot of times, you, you guys should lobby for a go- you should lobby for a goalie cam. Yes. Yeah. That's what we should do. Yo, we, should do, we should do that. We should get a goalie cam. So anybody out there listening right now, if you want to set up a, a, a separate stream on all broadcasts, I'm talking to you, uh, Bleacher Report. I'm talking to you, Fox Sports. We need a goalie cam for the seven people that want to watch that <laughs> that feed. Um, sponsored by Inside the 18? Yeah, sponsored by Inside the 18. There we go. Perfect product placement right there. Um, you know, Daryl, uh, I think, too, another cool thing about where you guys are going with um, – with your content that you do, and we're, we're joking about the edutainment uh, type aspect, is that you guys bring in that humor, which is what we try to do. I basically always told Omar, by the way, this is the funniest thing about Omar, is he said, oh, Total Soccer Show was on, on tour with you? And I was like, yeah, Total Soccer. And then he looked and he's like, you mean the Total Soccer Show went on tour <laughs> with you? And I was like, yes, I know. I can't believe it either. <laughs> um, because, you know, people really appreciate what you guys do. And um, we try to bring that humor to element too because, again, it's just a game. And if, yeah. you, t- if you take it too seriously, it's going to become dry and it's going to become the news. You know, so you can be informative and at the same time entertaining. Um, so sometimes I like the way that you guys talk about, like when you guys do your 11s, uh, I love, especially when you talk about the goalkeeper position. I, a lot of times, the way the guys break down on why you chose a specific goalkeeper in the 11s, and you kind of, uh, and, I'm, and what I'm talking about when I say the 11s, I want you guys to know they do 11s of pop culture uh, things that are going on in pop culture and actually put a soccer team together based on that. Yeah. Like, what's one of your one, favorite 11s actually, that you did? One of the, it's been so long, I actually can't remember. Uh, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia one. Um, that was, was a great one. One of the rules with goalkeeper is the, the reason can't be just they're tall. 
Yeah. So it's like forcing us to go away from that and 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 find other reasons. And yeah. find other reasons. And I, I love and I love like the Game of Thrones. I mean, you guys have uh, the Star Wars ones have been amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think those are some of your more popular podcast episodes. I think. I think at least because they're. Um, I mean, you know this about content, right? If you got some evergreen content, yeah. um, that will get listened to. Um, you know, two years later. Whereas you know, breaking news from two years ago. Yeah. No, no one's listening to that yeah. show. Yeah. So speaking of that, Daryl, let's break down this week's in goalkeeping uh, starting today. No, I'm totally kidding. We're not. <laughs> We're not going to do that uh, whatsoever. Um, you know, so now that you're on a goalkeeping podcast, yeah. um, are there any questions you have for us in regards that you think your listeners would want to hear that you, you would want to bring that information back Actually, to Actually, you mentioned Taylor playing in goal sometimes for our team. It's basically an emergency situation. Um, I'm always scared to do that same thing, but I would like to know for... Um, By the way, no um, one can be as good as Jay Riddle was in goal in Atlanta <laughs> at the Marta Station. So when we were at All-Star at All-Star Game, Jay Riddle, who runs the unrelegated podcast for Atlanta United, he he had to step in goal, unfortunately, uh, in the second half. And we had like XMLS players and stuff like that in the game. And uh, it was quite an interesting experience to see that. What I'm driving at is there's a lot of amateur goalkeepers. You know, and they're not on a path to college or to pro. They just play amateur goalkeeper in their, you know, their rec league or their Sunday league or whatever. Are there any sort of good basic bits of advice that you would give to, this is a two-part question, I guess, advice that you would give to someone like me who's not a goalkeeper, but sometimes I'll end up there in an emergency situation because I'm, like, taller than some of our other players, right? Or I'm, I'm more persuadable and someone can talk me into doing it. Everyone just looks at you and they go, oh, that guy could play in goal. Yeah, get, get him in there. <laughs> so is there any advice that you would give, essentially, would you give advice to someone who um, is... A, an emergency goalkeeper like what's the one or two things that oh that's where that's where I hand this over to Omar the so now you'd have to m make sure of this is where he can step in because yeah. this is the guru right here yeah and like bear in mind I don't have time to be coached or practice <laughs> like you just got to tell me two things before I get sent uh, I'll make to it of the team All right. I would say don't overthink it I think okay. a lot of the times people will get to their position and then try and react to where they think the shot's going to go when really the guy usually hits it either right, really right at you or like in your, in your bubble, we call it. So I would say try and get into a good position, and then when they shoot it, make them beat you. And I see a lot of times, even professional keepers, they'll try and guess, and I call it like calculated anticipation, which means that you don't take too big of steps and leave yourself vulnerable on the opposite side. So if you have so it, is like this a, like in a one-on-one -on -one situation? One-on-one, -on -one or even like a, even a step to an angle for a shot. Make sure that you get there, and just make sure your body's your your frame is as big as you possibly can make it. Just that when the forward looks up, they see a big body instead of you already leaning. Yeah. That's the best thing I can tell you. Also, oh, don't go down too early. Don't go down too early. Yeah, stay yeah. as big as you can, because usually if you if you if you look at most of like not the rec league, but like even in college, most of the shots, unless you have a class finisher, end up in your in your reach. And I think a lot of times you can put yourself under a lot of pressure by leaning too early or going to try and try and guess a little too early. Yeah. And when really, if you would have just stood your ground a little bit longer, then the shot would have probably hit oh, you. Oh, that's like, interesting. Yeah, I've yeah. got some memories of emergency goalkeeping where I've gone full stretch. Yeah. The ball was the other way. What but, I tell yeah. a lot, a lot to a lot of people too is that um, it was like even when I we played in college, there were some players on our team that weren't very good. And no, no, that's what it was. And I'm, on one-on-ones or even like close shots, I would stand my ground a little bit more because I'm like, this guy's not that good, so I can easily make a save if I just wait. And I think uh, once I started applying that exact same knowledge to kind of like the better players that I played against, that's why you see Messi, uh, Ronaldo, all those guys, they chip the keeper so easily because the keeper's like, crap, this guy's so good, I have to try and guess early. And when you try and guess early, you leave yourself exposed and vulnerable. And that's kind of what I would tell anybody who's just stepping in for a game or two. Just try and hold your ground a little bit more 
make, your, make yourself as big of a target as you possibly can, and then just use your instincts after that. Yeah. All right, thank you. Yeah, and stay behind the ball. I mean, honestly, stay, staying behind the ball is like one of, one of the biggest things. If you just move your feet and stay behind the ball, chances are if it rebounds off you, at least it stays out of the goal, right? So What does that mean, stay behind the ball? So, I mean, because obviously so, you don't so, run so th- past the... So think about that. There's the ball line, right, which is the, the direct, basically, the imaginary line uh, between your belly button and the ball. Okay. If you stay behind the ball and you move your body laterally behind the flight of the ball, what the chances are, worst case scenario, the ball's going to hit off you, I see, I and see. it's going to at least stay out of the goal, right? Yeah. There. You know, as a as a goalkeeper, you you learn to deflect a ball wide, because what happens at the highest levels? If a ball deflects off you, generally inside the six yard box, what's going to happen? The next shot's hammered home, right? Mm-hmm. So we the, there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we try to deflect the ball into what we call good space, which is away laterally across away from the near post yeah um or across the goal across from the back post um but never inside that area so keep your body behind it let it hit your body and if you can't catch it just push it away as much as possible you know so i think that's really the number one advice i see a lot of times somebody who's not a goalkeeper and they try to catch everything but if you don't properly know how to handle a ball especially the way the ball's made today that's going to be trouble you know? So punch? You say punch? I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't say punch as more as, as, as parry. Parry? Okay. Parry, yeah. Parry would be the advice, especially like you're talking about amateur. A lot of times you're talking about small-sided games, seven aside, that sort of thing. Your best, best just get rid of the ball and play it into a space where your team can handle it, you know, yeah. that type of a thing. So, um, yeah, you know, um, I think that would be the, the number one advice. And, um, Daryl, another thing. Can I say Omar's was number one and yours is joint, <laughs> joint number one? I, I think you should say that mine was number seven. Uh, <laughs> I think Omar's was straight up number one. By the way, I love the way Omar's like, yeah, you know, we had some guys on my Division One college team who weren't that good. I'm like, well, they're all playing Division One. They're pretty decent players, you know. But it's all it's it, it's it's all subjective, right? Um, Daryl, I want to. I really appreciate. It. I know you guys are exhausted. You guys have been going here nonstop like we have. And uh, if anybody wants to uh, reach out to you and want to find out more about TSS, and by the way, guys, they have something called the TSS Scouting Network. Can you tell? Because our listeners are really into you know youth players and stuff. Because as goalkeepers, you know we watch a lot of youth goalkeepers develop in the game and everything like that. So tell them a little about the Scouting Network and what you guys do. Oh, so the Scouting Network is um, it was essentially the way we started uh, crowdsourcing to fund the show or crowdfunding the show. Um, we asked people to you know sign up with a monthly financial contribution like five dollars a month um, and then when you do that obviously you're supporting the show but then we also um assigned you a talented young player to keep track of right so it would be like uh odegaard or you know some some kid that's got a lot of um hype um and then we would ask you to send reports and then we read those reports that you send um at the end of the show so it, and it, it's it allows then the people who financially kind of invested in the show to own a piece of content right you're contributing content uh to the show and it has the added, uh, for me, it has the added benefit of it keeps us on top of uh, on top of what's going on with, with talented young players. I think one of the reasons why, because they also have an offshoot that they, they do with Travis Clark in Top Drawer Soccer, and I think a lot of the reason that you guys are so good with that is because of the scouting network. Yeah, maybe there's definitely names that we would not have known about, or at least recent developments that we would not have known about if we, if we weren't getting those reports from the scouting network. And one of the reasons why I wanted to plug this on the podcast here for our listeners to hear is because I want more goalkeepers in the scouting network. Yeah. yeah. Actually, we do get a lot of requests, no goalkeepers, please. Oh, do you yeah. really? And I think it's because of the stuff we talked about earlier where maybe people don't know how to analyze a goalkeeper. So I think people think that they would not be able to give much of a report, right? Because it would be like, hey, my guy played in goal. He let in two goals. 
I mean, there's and it's hard. It's hard for people to to know, right? But um, I, so I think so. Maybe maybe that's another thing you could do is uh, if you say in this in the scouting network is. And I mean, this is just an idea here. But if somebody wants a goalkeeper, you know, or look at if anybody here is a, a goalkeeper or a goalkeeper coach or whatever, if you'd like a goalkeeper, please let us know. Yes, and we'll give you a goalkeeper. That's yeah, okay, yeah. So for you, we'll do a little push on the show, like yeah. uh, to let us know if you want a goalkeeper. And yeah, we'll, we'll find the people that because do. I, yeah. I'm an avid listener then, of TSS, then, so then I would love them, to hear that. We'll ask them to also listen to Inside the IT. See, like, I love that cross-promotion right there. Uh, (laughs) Daryl Grove, honestly, from Total Soccer Show, thanks for being on Inside the 18. Uh, Where can people reach out to you if they have any questions about TSS? Um, You can always email us, uh, contact at totalsockshow.com. Our website, totalsockshow.com, has a contact page as well. Uh, We're pretty responsive on Twitter. We're at Total Soccer Show. And do you guys have any, any other live events planned coming up? Uh, nothing that I know of in the future. Okay, uh-huh. but you got to do another live event because you guys are so darn good at this. <laughs> Thank you Honestly. very much. Uh, all right, guys, that's all the time on Inside the 18. We're out. Later. I hope you all enjoyed that piece we did with Daryl Grove with the Total Soccer Show. I'm so thankful that Omar got to work with him before his passing and sad that Saskia never got to experience the Daryl wit firsthand. Rest in peace to a podcasting legend, and we now return to our regularly scheduled content. On with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live in Hollywood, California. With me, you know her as the one and only Suskia Weber, 99 World Cup winner. That's right. We're going with you first, because then Omar Zini is going to be announced after that, (laughs) because he's got his fantastic uh, Ferns background going on. You know him as the Pro GK Academy. (laughs) And we have the reason we have that Ferns background the one and only former New Zealand international, now head coach at Loyola Marymount University with a fantastic virtual background. The one and only Jenny Binden. What is up? Uh, thanks for having me. I mean, uh, this is exciting. Saskia has always been a someone I've admired through my entire career. And then uh, now we're <laughs> mates, eh, Saskia? We're absolutely mates. <laughs> 100%. I thank you for that compliment, but it, the feeling's mutual 100%. Kidding me? Oh my gosh! Now, now this has been a little bit, little bit of a crazy day for everybody I'm to seeing- know. We've been having complete, complete like connection issues today. Um, I don't know what's going on in there. Um, I think it's just that the, the gods were like, you know what? I think Suskia and Jenny—that's too much, too much at one time. I think we, we, we can't, we can't, we can't have this. So they're trying to, know. trying to force it to not happen. But we're going to make it happen anyway. Uh, Jenny, for I'm some just of the people, to fit, like what I was trying to say is, I'm just trying to fill big shoes right now. Back UCLA. <laughs> so, all right, you're good. You're good. I got the really, really fortunate. I used, I was assistant coach under the amazing Amanda Cromwell, and um, Saski and I became pretty good friends during that and worked with each other and just love bouncing ideas off with goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches, like minded people. A little bit, you're either really crazy or very introverted. And I think both Saski <laughs> and I are a bit bit crazy so we've gotten on like a house on fire <laughs> i think it was a smooth transition when the opportunity came up to go to lmu and yeah yeah so so excited for you there 
Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that, Jenny. So for maybe for some of the people out there who might not be familiar with your career and kind of, you know, um, your journey, you know, to becoming a head coach at LMU. Congratulations, first off, on on that. You know, that's obviously a huge responsibility to go from a goalkeeping position as as a, as a, a top assistant and then then becoming the head coaching responsibilities. Why don't you kind of, you know, break down a little bit of kind of your journey from, you know, you know, with the New Zealand internationals, you know, playing overseas and then coming back here and getting in the collegiate game. Yeah, I was really fortunate. Um, played, played. I'm originally from from the states. Uh, went to university up in Chicago, Lewis University, Division II school, where I played basketball, soccer, and tennis. And then I uh, met my husband, who's a volleyball player. Moved to New Zealand with him, and then by chance, and this is a big thing I always say, is you never know who's watching. I was playing co-ed, seven-a-side soccer. Was seen by. I was in goal. I was seen by uh, one of the directors of coaching within New Zealand football. And uh, yeah, that was kind of how I got asked, do you have a passport? I said, yeah, I'm a dual citizen. And off I went and my career, my career just exploded. So I went from working with Nike New Zealand and, and, and to quitting my job. People thought I was crazy to, to go full-time uh, playing for the national team. And uh, from there, I just, um, Chances I ended up going and playing. I'm still the most capped goalkeeper for men and women in New Zealand. Uh, And been in two World Cups, two Olympics, and then chance meeting of Amanda at the LA convention. Um, And then, yeah, we we had a few chats and off I am to LA. So I, when I retired retired in um, 2014 from playing international soccer, uh, had always done my badges and always been into coaching, um, something I'm just very passionate about. And I, when I was playing, I, I played in the men's competition for about seven years while I was playing on the national team for a decade. So transition from the women's game coaching, they didn't really want me. Uh, they were kind of like, well, you didn't want to be here with us. So I said, fine, I'll go coach men. So I coached <laughs> I coached a men's team uh, in the lead up to coming out to uh, UCLA and did that for three years with Amanda and Sam Green, Josh Walters and Jane Alcones. And then now um, did two final fours and one elite eight and off I went to LMU. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's amazing. And, and, you know, that's crazy what you said in regards to the convention thing, because like Omar and I, you know, we've the last couple of years we've been going to convention and uh, we've been doing this, uh, you know, the whole networking thing and doing some podcasts there and everything. And like, Omar, y- you can't stress enough how many of the connections you've made just through just going to the conventions, you know, and how many job opportunities have just come from just going to convention. I mean, it's we talk about it's like a Disneyland for everybody, you know, just everybody goes there. I mean, uh, going there with obviously the intent of networking and meeting people, but at the same time too, knowing that you're bringing value to, to people and they're bringing value to you. And I think when you go in there with an open mind like that, uh, you never know who you're going to meet. And and I think, you know, Mike, you're the one who kind of told me to go to Chicago. And then once I left Chicago, I was like, wow, I'm never missing one of these again. I remember one time we went to, uh, you know, get drinks with, I think it was like 12 goalkeeper coaches. And we all just sat down and we were talking about, I think it was John Bush was telling us stories about his career. And then Phil Wedding was telling us you know stories about his career as a coach. And it was just like, this amazing experience of everybody just getting under the same roof for their, you know, the, I guess, collective um, understanding of what, what the weekend was going to be about. So it was awesome. 
Yeah, you know, and, and, and speaking of that, you know, I think that whole collective uh, environment, you know, really breeds to, you know, learning from different coaches and, and experiencing different things in regards to, you know, what their methodology is, you know, what's working for them, what's not working for them, um, which really made me start thinking about, you know, the thinking, like, you know, we had Tim Dittmer on, on the podcast when we were at convention in February, and he was talking about you creating thinking goalkeepers, which is really what fascinated me about, you know, Jenny's whole idea for a topic here. And I want to kind of transition into that. And her today's topic is going to be teaching cognitive distribution skills. And, uh, you know, Jenny, what I thought was first off fascinating about that is that, you know, we, we work so much on the, the why from a technical and a tactical standpoint when, when we see uh, distribution activities taking place at the youth level. Um, but we don't really teach logic and how to think within a game. So kind of in your own words, like what do we mean by cognitive skills for distribution? Yeah, well, I think the cognitive in itself is the, you know, the mental action or processing of acquired knowledge and applying what you do on a daily basis into how you're actually going to transform what the game model is, how the coach wants you to play, what the opposition is doing, the line of confrontation, and then the goalkeeper has to make a split decision on what they're going to do. And, you know, my big argument that I have is that the expectations that we put on our youth goalkeepers to our collegiate, to our professionals is so high when we don't actually train it. Um, and then, you know, that can end up leading, you know, a mistake there can end up leading to, you know, I think it's 71% of the goal scored from short passes up from a goalkeeper that lead to a goal lead to a loss in the in the game. And those are stats are alarming and something that we need to pay more attention to and with our kids, but let's set them up to succeed. Let's teach this. Let's, let's have, you know, make it more proven for them to have training situations that allow them to be successful on, on the, in the game. And I think that's where we have to challenge ourselves. You know, you know, that, that's, that's something that you, I would love that you're saying that in regards to that, because like Saskia has like been speaking so much and so much about, you know, now coaching at that next level, coaching at that collegiate level, you know, how much it is, it's just like, I don't understand why these goalkeepers expect me to spoon feed them the answers. Because, you know, and, and, you know, maybe she, she obviously comes from the same ilk as yourself. I didn't quite say it like that. Well, no, I, 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 okay. Okay. So I'm putting words in your mouth, but you, 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 but you know what, you know what I mean? You know what I mean though? Exactly. Uh, in regards to that. Tell me why you feel, tell me what you think. Like, let's work through this. Let's, let's learn so that the next, like the next time or the next time or the next time you can, I can just look at you and you'll be like, and you know, you know, and, um, and it's not as simple, and what we're talking about here, it's not as simple as shot stopping and stuff like that. This is organization. This is understanding the systems in front of you. This is understanding the play, where your defenders need to be, um, how, to, how to manipulate the situation, which we've talked about multiple times in front of you, and why you're doing it, and what, what benefits that you. And that all has to come down to a split second. And, and it has to be trained, it has to be learned. Um, but if I'm giving you the answers all the time, then you're, you're not learning. Um, so, you know, as a teacher and, you know, as teachers out there, coaches out there listening, like you have to, you know, allow them to, to experience these things and understand what's going on. Why in this situation you do that, if you see it multiple times and, and everything. And that, that's like the, ne the next level of education. And it is kind of shocking in a sense to see how it's not being taught, how, you know, um, it, it's always the way I've coached and stuff, but, you know, seeing like high school kids and seeing they, they're just shot stoppers. 
Yeah. You know, they, yeah. and they don't, they're just a cone back there and they just, they're reactive, not proactive. Like I always say. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think one, one of the good things, and Omar, I know you've been, been stressing this lately in regards to your training sessions, the videos that you've been putting up and everything like that, is that you need to make sure if you're doing any sort of distribution activity specifically, like I remember when we were speaking with Kaylin Sheridan, she pointed out like four or five different scenarios that were available to her in one moment. And then based on logic, she's got to determine what's going to have the highest level of success rate. And, you know, and, and, and how, how do we actually make that applicable in a training session? So... So we're not like, hey, got to play it here. You got to play it here. You got to play it here. Right. But no, let them trial and error and figure it out. Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest thing, I think, as a coach for me that I've learned is, you know, you can't, you can't script everything so much. And I feel like that's been something that I, you know, have noticed about myself is that I, when I draw out my sessions and obviously I film a lot of my stuff, too, and I post it on YouTube. So in my head, this idea of having a perfect session is what I want um, because, for whatever reason, I want to be seen as a great coach and I want my YouTube channel, whatever it is, it's in my head. And then now I'm like starting to realize when it comes to passing, you know, patterns or when it comes to decision-making, when it comes to trial and error for the goalkeepers, I'm doing them a disservice of trying to script everything and make everything so perfect versus like this, you know, this is the five different things that you could potentially, you know, decide to do with this pass back. Now I want you to decide, well, it won't look good on camera. I don't care. I want you to just try <laughs> to get, you know, I want you to go out, you know, try and get that prep touch and then, you know, try and put yourself in a situation where you're uncomfortable. And I think me and other coaches could probably do a better job of, you know, like Asasia said, like, I'm not going to give you all the answers, but I'm going to put you in situations that are going to force you to problem solve and find the answers on your own. And I just don't think me personally, I've done that well enough. And I probably will go back to my, you know, my session planning one of these days and I will forget. And then I'll be in the session and go, Oh my God, let them mess up, let them mess up. But at the end of the day, I think that's, that's the beauty of us as coaches, you know, going to these conferences and, and discussing with our coaches and realizing that Anthony White, who's at Bournemouth, he was saying he's going to eliminate volleys completely. He's only going to stir from the ground. And then I was like, well, I want him to try that. And then he, the, I forgot the guess, but they were just like, Omar, understand this coach has been doing this for years and years and years. Do you understand how long it took them to get from that process to this process? You don't have to copy everybody. And same thing with the goalkeepers. It's like, don't compare your worst attributes to their best attributes. Understand you're going to fail and fail and fail because that person failed as well. Well, I, I don't know. I asked Jenny if she agrees with this, but I think that um, we've, we've created like a generation of some very spoiled children. And, <laughs> not you. I love your son. I'm not saying that. Like, I'm saying in the sense of like to watch if we're, if a session is set up and, you know, they're so literal, you know, I always say that like, Oh, I'm supposed to get the ball here and do this and do that. If the ball's not per put perfectly here, I've looked at players and they've been like, well, you know, what kind of a service is that? Figure it out. Like, you know, figure it out. And that's me. I'm like, you're not always going to get a perfect service in the crust of whatever I've diagrammed, like figure it out. That's soccer. That's goalkeeping. You know, sorry, it's a little to your left or a little to your right. Finish the play, figure it out, do what you have to do, and we'll move on from it. But don't sit here and look at me or look at the person serving you and be like, ball's supposed to be here, you know, and stuff like that. But those are the things that we have to get out of these next generations and um, play the game, play, you know, yeah. play. And yeah. not everything is so perfect. I, I want to bring this up with Jenny right now because I think, you know, Personally, I think one of the issues, and I don't know if you've noticed this as well too, at, at the youth levels, is that people are giving the same service 
from, and we're talking about the distribution standpoint over and over again, they're not varying that service. So like even Omar, we had, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago in regards to through balls, right? And if you're playing specific through balls, and if you're always playing the same types of through balls or in the same patterns, then they're just only going to be able to understand those scenarios. And then when they, they face anything, anything adverse, there's a bounce or the ball's spinning a different way, or it takes a deflection, they don't know how to handle it. And, and Jenny, do you feel that that's kind of one of the issues that we're seeing here in regards to, you know, being able to think on your feet from a distribution standpoint? Yeah, I think all that plays into it. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is when I, I've seen, you know, if you're out in the park and you watch people do sessions and you just go, oh, you know, <laughs> simple, even the simple throwback, like my, my biggest pet peeve is every opportunity you make a save, it's followed with a distribution. So even when you're throwing that ball back to the coach, you know, the two-handed chest pass back or the overhead because they're trying to get rid of it quick, well, you're going to do that in the game. You're going to go make a, a solid catch and you're just going to deflect the ball down because that's what you've been doing. 40 times uh, in the week already before. So every time you make a save, you make a distribution. And I, I know Saskia knows I'm really big on that. Like everything huge distribution constantly. Yeah. Huge, and Mike had seen um, Lauren's distribution, we'll bring Lauren up, is just phenomenal at this point. And the other day I was doing distribution with the keepers and like, but it was that thinking process again. It was, okay, we're, we're, we're working on some saves then into distribution. And for some reason, all of you guys, you know, set the goals up, you know, from a distance, all of you guys keep rolling the ball to yourself and trying to kick it in that goal. You know what I mean? And I'm like, can you guys make like your own thought process here right now? I said, do me a favor. I said, somebody pick up, make the save, pick, get up and throw the ball. Why don't you try that? So nine times out of 10, one bat, one hop on a laser right into the goal. Nine times out of 10 with rolling the ball to yourself and trying to like lace it and like strike this like it's all over the place and I was just like so like think about it like in a game situation if you want quick distribution are you going to stop save make the save stop roll the ball let everybody know where you're going to kick the ball and then kick it or if you want quick distribution can you use your hand like think mix it up and everything and um and I know you're huge on that <laughs> trust, me, trust me the keepers are like we're doing distribution with this right and I'm like yes you are <laughs> Like I said, I have big shoes to fill, but I love it. So. <laughs> Omar, that's actually a really good point because when we were talking about in regards to like when the ball is in your hands, and I, I try to tell this to kids all the time, like when the ball is in your hands, you're already the first line of attack. You already Absolutely. have the advantage. You already have the advantage. So like if you scan the field and you see an opportunity – like you only put the ball down if you're going to delay, if you need to, if you need to reassess. And that's where that kind of that, that logic comes into play. How do we develop that muscle in a youth player? So that they think not from like what looks cool, but like think logic. What is the objective? Why are you doing something? So you're asking me, how can we like portray that to them? <laughs> so it's like not as, so it's, yeah, because um, the thing I, th I think it because it's become it's become rote in their in their minds is that oh I I put the ball at my feet I put the ball at my feet rather. But I than think like there's a bigger issue with that. I think there's an issue in teaching kids that they have to understand what what situation is ahead of time. Like yeah. I think a lot of kids do that delay and stuff like that because they they have no idea where their players are. They have no idea where things are, and they have to take that moment, scan, and figure it out. Where as you get more developed and as you become better you already know where your players are you already and those players know where they're supposed to be so i know that somebody's going to be open in this in this zone and stuff like that so if i make this save i know i can do a quick counter right there they're going to yeah. be up the left side of the field and so if you have to take that pause 
and do that, well, what's that mean? That means everybody else gets to get set too. Go ahead, you're the guest. I think it's as simple as them understanding, you know, we go back to, you know, what your game model, your principles mm -hmm. play are, principles, blah, 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 all that nonsense. But it's as simple as when you have the ball in your defending third and you're in the attacking moment, you're trying to break lines. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as it is. So if I can make a pass as a goalkeeper that's going to take one player out of the game and my, my teammate can receive a ball facing forward, tick, job done. And I think if we simplify that, and then you basically are asking questions, where's the line of confrontation? Where are the gaps in space? What formation are they playing in? So I should be able to figure out gaps in space because I know the formation at the elite level. But even if we, I, I firmly believe we can teach this at, at, at the youth level as well so to the goalkeepers. If we're talking about this, look where their nine is. Look, do they have two, do they have two people attacking? If you're playing seven aside soccer, a simple, you know, trying to keep it. Or they have two people forward, well, we need to split them or we need to make a pass that's going to allow our player to break that line. And I think we just keep it so simple, but no one tells them that. You can go to a collegiate soccer player now, goalkeeper, men or women, and say, what is your goal when you're distributing? And they'll say, they'll have no idea. Kick it as far, <laughs> far away as I can so no. I know it's not going to come back at me straight away. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's you know, simple I breaking lines. No, I think there's there's two points that I would say is the first one is when I was playing, I would always before any situation was happening, I would already like look ahead and I would say like if Saskia was on my team, like Saskia, I need you to be the outlet. And right away before the ball is even served, I would have one eye there just scanning prior just so I can get a picture of what's happening there. Just so if I do catch the ball, I know what's going on. Secondary to that is if you guys watched, um, if you watch any mistakes from Jordan Pickford or even goal, the mistakes that didn't lead to goals. Most of what he does, and if you watch it, he'll drop the ball more often than not because he's already thinking about the next decision. So what I would do is I would show the kids of like, there's a fine line between you wanting to go and knowing where to go with the ball. But at the same time too, we have to finish the first objective, which is catching the ball cleanly. And I think that is when we talk about now about how it needs to be functional in training sessions where after you catch across, the play is not done. You're not going to throw the ball back to the server and then we're going to go another one. If you want to, if you have a big group, or even if you have just, you know, you and the, the goalkeeper you have, have, you know, mini goals set up so that that secondary movement and action is forcing them to finish the first action so we can do just like we would in a game. And I feel like when we talk about the cognitive skills of distribution, that has a lot to do with it, is understanding that once the objective is done, then you worry about what the next picture looks like, because you've already scanned before and you have a way better idea of what to go to next. And I think that is, that's my point though, is that you can show the good and the bad. Pickford is amazing at finding distribution. He went viral like five years ago where he hit a side volley with D21s, led to a goal. Everybody found out who he was. They started watching him. He started trying to do that all the time. But it's <laughs> like, he's trying to do these side volleys and trying to do these things for counterattacks when the situation is just not there. So it's right. like, yes, you, you, know, you love the guy because he's doing a great job of scanning and knowing where the options are. But at the same time too, should we continue to applaud him when he's not using the skill set in the right way, in the right context? No, and I think that's why you show the video to the kids of like, this is what it looks like when it does a great job with it. And this is what it looks like when you do the wrong uh, step first. So that's, the, that's what I would say is, is if you're going to try and spoon feed it or even bring it up to the goalkeepers, use some video footage as well. I, I th think there's, a, there's something here that I want to bring up as well, too, with you, Jenny, is that, you know, a, a few weeks back when we were speaking with Mitch Hildebrandt, you know, from Sporting Kansas City, and he was saying that whenever he's doing a session, he's like, what he, one of his biggest pet peeves is that when it, when distribution um, it, when when something happens where a ball's played in, into pressure, you know, or it's you know, or it's played played into a wrong area, is that 
people act like, well, the play, all the plays over. Okay. Let's move on to the, move, move on to the ne- next activity or whatever, as opposed to what he, what he really stresses is like in the game, you're going to get punished. So he makes sure that like whenever any sort of distribution is played and it's the wrong decision, quote unquote, well, now, now you don't have to, now you don't get time to get set again because now you're out of position because you just played the ball to somebody in a dangerous area. And now you've got to reset for that. Right. Ever so that they start developing kind of like that, you know, that mental muscle of like, every time I play a ball, I need to be ready to react to whatever could happen, whether my player receives the ball, whether they play it up the field, whether they square it up, whether they lose possession, you know, so there's, they're actually developing that. Would you agree? Totally, 100%. And I think that's why when we do distribute, it's important that you stand up, you get yourself in a position where you can be successful. And if you're not, I mean, some of the biggest saves that keepers have made have been come from poor distribution because they're already moving mm-hmm. down the front of the ball. So, um, you know, there's, I can think of like five or six saves probably I made in my career that were amazing because of I made an error, but I was already in the line of the ball and you, you're able to make a save. I did play for New Zealand, so I got shot on a lot, but um, yeah, so I think. Uh, yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> By the way, I'm Jenny, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I didn't get but, the ball enough to distribute yeah. the word <laughs> with the U.S. Although with Rutgers, I did. Sorry. <laughs> Je- Je- Jenny played long. I made enough in more international career. saves than Saskia. That's my claim. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Mia Hamm made more international saves than I did the one time she played. So it's okay. <laughs> Jen, Jenny's got one the great thing though is that she she was able to play all the way long enough until the advent of YouTube. So at the at the tail end of, of Jenny's career, there's just like all these YouTube saves that are all within like the span of like the very beginning of YouTube. Like it's amazing. Like you go on there and I was like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, this 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 person really edited this poorly. I'm like, oh, that's when YouTube first started. So like that was probably like really high level technology at the time. You and, gotta transfer oh the beta and the VHS over. and the eight millimeter (laughs) that's how old i am (laughs) i wouldn't want to face either one of you guys in a box though that's for sure (laughs) um um let's uh let's talk about this right now um because this has been a very big topic on the show jenny we've been talking you know even when we had nc courage all their goalkeepers on you know we talked about detecting themes and when we had you know um Bella Bigsby from Portland Thorns, we talked about, you know, recognizing triggers and, you know, and, and how big a part that is in teaching distribution, you know, is that the players have to recognize the scenarios kind of ahead of time. So they know what they're dealing with. Right. Totally. And I think like we, one thing I've been really focusing on and, you know, that's why I wanted to share it is that it's, it's a, it's a checklist or a run sheet that you should be going through as a goalkeeper every time you step on the pitch. Share it. I am. That's what I'm going to do. And I'll, I'll, send you my, I'll send you my notes, Saskia. But it's basically, you need to know the formation of your opponent. You need to have, uh, you know, the style of play. Are they going to high press? You know, a lot of will get this at, at the collegiate level. Professionally, you'll be given this in the scouting report. Mm-hmm. But it's the goalkeeper really understanding, I'm going to pay attention here. And I'm going to ask myself, well, I have five questions. You know, what is the formation of the opponent? What is their, their, their style? Are they possession-based? Are they direct? Uh, where's the line of confrontation? Uh, where are the gaps in space? So I like you were saying, Omar, it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to find you, Saskia. Well, I'm going to say, I already know where that gap in that mm-hmm. space should be because of the formation that they're playing. And then the last one you're going to do is, is know, know your attributes of your players versus that. And then also knowing the attributes of their players. So if you have a nine that's just going to run at you all day, 
obviously you're, you're not going to play the ball down. That's where you're going to look to throw quickly to actually right. take her out of the game as quickly as possible. Or if their nine's going to drop off and is lazy, then it's going to give me a little bit more time to move around the 18 yard box or put the ball down, take a few touches and then be able to hit the ball. So that's my checklist. And that's what I've been trying to, you know, get across to people to recognize and understand and then apply that to the game. So when you go in the cognitive understanding, because I've, I've, you know, assessed and watched and over the first five or 10 minutes of the game, I'm knowing where that is, reassess with my goalkeeper coach at halftime, what their opinion is. And then hopefully that would create more successful opportunities for me when I go to distribute. I think the ratio, I think if I have it right, it's 16 to like 24 um, passes, like a, the, the distribution will start from the goalkeeper. So it's the starting from a goalkeeper, if you look at the attacking or yourself and the opponent, it's starting more with a goalkeeper than it is in any other action of the game from a throw in to the kickoff, to the corners, to set pieces that, and that's why I'm a huge, um, you know, component and Saskia knows this about me is distribution is so important. Please spend time on it. Please, please, please. Right. I mean, and, so, and I tell them, keep it, what do you do 90% of the game? <laughs> yeah. You're not saving the ball of the upper 90 and hopefully not dealing with like breakaways and shots 90% of the game. Cause then we have a really big problem, but what you are doing is distribution. It's what you're doing. So why, why aren't we spending a, a lot of time on it? You know? So, but I think, but I think that's one of the issues is that, is that a lot of times with goalkeeper training, you know, and Omar, I want, I want to ask you about this because I think it's, it's been about playing concepts as opposed to Jenny, I love what you said in regards to like, what is that number nine? What are, what are her, what are her strengths right there? Because like, if you're going to play that scenario the same way over and over again with every different team that you're playing, then you're not reading the scouting reports and you're not dealing with reality in front of you. You're dealing with concept and you have to deal with what's actually in front of you. What if you have a left back that's terrible with that foot, you know, you're going to play it the same way to that same player as you do as the other player who just substituted who's much better with that foot you know so you, you have to recognize these types of things and you know and omar we were talking about is like if we compartmentalize our training then we're not really playing the game because there's no such thing as like well today's the this is the crossing part of goalkeeping today in my game and today now this is the distribution part of my game oh and this is like you know the smothering part of my game you know no, it all happens at the same time right yeah, I mean, there tends to be certain limitations for us as goalkeeper coaches, and I'm sure we've all had that before, whether we were in goal uh, and our goalkeeper coach put us in sessions or we were the ones who put the sessions together and we only had two or three kids in the session. So, yes, there are limitations, but again, it's important that, I mean, again, I, I use myself as an example. Sometimes, I, like you said, Mike, I'm very concept-oriented because I get these kids maybe once, twice a month. I don't. Uh, a lot of them will come to me in the middle of their, their seasons, and then I'll get to see them after that. So for me, it's like, we're hitting specific things that they want to work on. Um, so if they say, say, hey, coach, I really want to work on crossing. So for me, it's like, okay, you know, I first want to see where you're at. Okay, great. Now I know where you're at. Okay, now let's put you in scenario-based situations where we're, we're getting services in and I have the other goalkeeper stepping in on top of the 18 and they're creating traffic and they're not very good at traffic. So if I notice that, then I want to continue to get reps and reps and reps. So for me, it's a little bit different because I don't get them all the time. So I really want to hone in on certain concepts for them. But I see where you're coming from, where it's creating a complete picture for them, understanding of like, this is what we're working on, catching the ball, finding the outlet. We're going to continue to do that. Okay, next next rep, I'm going to tell the person who's out there, change your position. Let's see what they do with the distribution. Is it going to be a throw now? Is it going to be a side volley? Is it going to be a roll? So just mixing it up like that to give them a different picture. But yeah, I think it's important to not always do concept stuff, but more full picture. Yeah, but I think I, I, I'll defer this to Jenny because I 
I know what she instilled in Lauren and what we have now with her and our quality distribution, there's a certain amount of responsibility that falls on the player as well. You know, your entire session can't be set up on, um, around one, one, one thing. Like, and um, when you put that time in off the field, off the training field as well, it makes a monumental amount of difference. You know, when you take a couple balls and you go out and you work on your side ball and you work on your goal kicks and you work on certain things, you know, um, you have to do it. You have to. And I think, Mike, I, I told I told my story on here before about going to uh, to Mexico when I was 15 and the is drills. This, the that we were... this is the knees, the knees one. No, different one, different one. But the, the way these drills started was you would get a shot from the 18. It was crazy. I love the concept now that I think about it. The whole team was watching you like start the drill for the whole team it was a crossing drill and the coach, our goalkeeper coach would say, go, we do a quick little shift. And then down the middle, he would hit a volley from the 18. We'd have to catch it, run up to the 18 and then hit a side volley. And you'd have lines who of people on the corners of the, uh, uh, of the midline, they'd receive it. They'd come down, do a one, two pass, and then they'd cross the ball in. So it's almost like in possession, out of possession, but one, it was working on actual catching or finishing up one rep and then hitting a side volley and finding the outlet pass. But at the same time, like, like Jenny just said about a lot of times as goalkeepers, when we take those risks, sometimes we give a bad pass and now we're, you know, starting our positioning and recovering from the 18 back to our line. And that works on a completely different part of your game now, of you know, positional awareness, positional sense, understanding where you are. So I thought it was a great concept, probably not then because I sucked at side volleys, but now if I'm looking at it and I'm thinking <laughs> this is, this is, it, it adds, there's an uh, additional layer of pressure as well. The entire drill depends on you finding that outlet pass. And they would even call after the first progression, would be, okay, after you catch the ball, the coach will tell you right or left, then you have to play that way. So now you're waiting for that call where like you're keeping your hips in a position where you can easily shift from going this way, shift to go that way. So again, it's like these different ways to get creative, but I think to really get the full picture and the full scope, it's really important for us coaches to try and get the, the first team coach or the head coach, Jenny says a shout to you, to get everybody involved in the goalkeeper training to give them that picture if we, you know, at, at best we can. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I want to bring this up with, with Jenny right there in regards to in regards to that. Obviously, by the way, I can't think of anything more intimidating than like if my head coach that I'm the goalkeeper coach for, you know, has the accolades that you do as a goalkeeper position. I'd be like <laughs> second guessing myself every second. They're like, I don't have uh, a goalkeeper coach. Okay. <laughs> You're doing I mean, the goalkeepers my, too? My head, my, my World Cup coach was the goalkeeper coach. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm doing it all at the moment, but uh, so. Yeah, like Sasuke, uh, maybe Sasuke can come and uh, which... <laughs> I think Amanda's watching. <laughs> <laughs> and then come over and help me. But no, um, you know, and, and I love what you're saying, Omar. And I think that I, I kind of chuckled when you said it because it, it does happen now where, you know, everything we do either starts with the goalkeeper, <laughs> uh, some form of distribution, or they're always involved. Because I think, I think you know, and I'm sure Saskia, you know, we, we grew up where you turned up to a train session the same time as your teammates, got out of the car, you get to the field, do a little warm up of Rondo waiting for everybody to turn up. And then they go, here's a bag of balls. Go, go over there. there under that yeah. light that's that's blinking. And uh, <laughs> with, the, with the exhaust, <laughs> with the exhaust <laughs> engine going of those yeah. lights, those portable lights. There, we'll call you when we need you. And then you've missed exactly everything that's going on. So no, to your point, Omar, like every, and our, you know, Gina Brewer, who's my assistant coach, and Kevin Pineda, they're always laughing, like, it's all about the keepers. We have the best ball. <laughs> 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 so, 
I will say, fortunately, my career, um, I always had a goalkeeper coach, which is very rare. So like even before I got to Rutgers, like you know, I had a, I had a one-on-one. Then when I got to Rutgers, I always had a goalkeeper coach. National team, obviously, Tony was my goalkeeper coach and then became my head coach. So, so that's very rare, though. So I wasn't always kicked in the corner, but, you yeah. know. Well, that's probably why you did as far as you did. Guys, 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 we have a question. We have a question in the comment section from a former Bruin. Uh, This comes from Sarah Sarah Farnham. And uh, she goes, uh, youth coaches constantly are teaching youngsters to distribute wide to the twos and threes, every opportunity to build out of the back. Um, having and they have a tendency to get frustrated when the keepers want to distribute creatively. Now I don't know what she means by d- creative distribution. Does she mean Cruyff turns? Yeah. Does she mean they're you know doing chips? You know, like uh, she wants. No, to, I know knowing our Sarah, thoughts. Jenny yeah. would know this as well, but I think knowing Sarah, she means like bypassing that, just like Jenny said, looking up, bypassing you know a line, taking out a whole line of players. Um, and every once in a while, I'm like, one of my favorite things was like, you draw them in, draw them in. If you're playing, if you're playing out short and everything like that, eventually that other team's going to be pressing high, pressing high. And guess what? Drop one over the top and let me a hand run onto it and score. So it's like, you know, but you, you have to think. And so, yes, I think youth coaches are just like, oh, just pat here. Everybody go, you know, go wide, just roll it there and they'll kick it and they'll kick it. Yeah. yeah, and I think Sarah's spot on too, because if you think about that, I mean, that's one of our triggers, right? Any ball that's played out wide and we can go ahead and have our, you know. Seven. Somebody else deal with it? <laughs> well, as a goalkeeper, that's what we're doing. We're passing the buck, which is yes. not what we should be doing. But when that ball is played out wide to a two or three, you're going to have either the seven, 11, you know, the nine, the 10 stepping and and that's a, a, a trigger to press, right? So, you know, if a keeper can bypass and find a six or an eight that, that breaks that that whole front line out of those three players, that's the magic ball. That's if you can get a keeper doing that majority of the time, then, you know, they're unlocking what the opposition is wanting to do because they're either the nine, right? If they play with the three front, the nine is supposed to force one way, force them into an area where they can then it's create a trigger to press. And, you know, I think she's Sarah makes sure Morgan uh, finds a six and eight and uh, <laughs> hey Sarah <laughs> but, but you, you bring up a good point Jenny and, and and Omar I want to ask you this because you know a lot of times one of the issues especially at the youth level and Jenny I'm sure you can attest to this Saskia I know you can attest to this you know our resources are that we don't have the right dimensions a lot of the times and so goalkeepers start if they're training in these improper dimensions all the time at, at their youth club sessions when they get into the game well that's what they've been doing over and over again. So that's their subconscious is like, well, I don't have the space to do this or that ball's too, that ball's too close or whatever. But in reality, they have way more space to play that ball over that six now, you know, and you know, you know, Omar, I know that's something that you've been trying to do is making sure that like those dimensions are such that like they're thinking from a game standpoint and like, okay, what can I play right now in an actual game? Yeah. And I think, again, that's the, I think Saskia was saying that at a certain point, like we need to give the goalkeepers that, ability to like think outside the box like we I love drawing my sessions up and I love for me at least it gives me an idea of what I want from this session and I and I say okay this is a potential uh, for the goalkeepers to really get challenged where things can go wrong or their service can be in a bad position or whatever the case may be so like I, I really budget that chaos but I feel like as young goalkeepers you need to be extremely curious to see what the drill is giving you and figuring out on your own without the coach telling you the different opportunities that you may have in this situation. 
And I think that is maybe for me, at least maybe I, I sometimes tell the kids too much of what, what to expect because I want them to have a perfect session. But I think that's the important part too, of like, look, here's the drill. And I want you guys to try and find whatever pass you feel is, uh, is suitable in this moment. And yeah, the dimensions, yeah, sometimes can kind of screw you up a little bit and, and put you in a position where it's not realistic. But again, for us coaches, can we try at the very least, or maybe you don't do a distribution session that day. I mean, that's all no, I can say. I don't, just, just... I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the dimension situation because I, you can, you can bypass a line in small sided. I'm sorry. Like I love threading that needle with my, like looking high and threading that needle and finding somebody if they're moving. And that just makes you have more, some more pinpoint accuracy, but at least you're looking pat. You're not just going like this in small sided with the dimensions different and, and everything you can still look high. You can still look one line ahead or one player, you know, and stuff. And I think that you see that a lot, even if the dimensions are different, that's like, you're still just bad passing the buck, passing the buck. Why? You know, all I'm doing is giving the ball next to me. So you're going to give the same pass that I could have done. Yeah. You know? well, so, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. I trained. <laughs> oh, this, I was, is this I was another the, story from Mexico? Oh no, no, no. So the, what, the mindset that I had was I was the goalkeeper coach for a local club here when I first started and I had probably 10 kids and all we got was the 18. So that was the dimension. Sorry. When I talk about oh, dimensions, okay. that's what I'm thinking okay. about. So we got the 18 and I said, and I said, you know what, there's a team that's sitting just underneath the circle and there's nobody in behind them. So maybe we catch a cross or we catch a shot and that person can hit a volley or a side volley or, you know, long kick up to their, uh, uh, down to their goalkeeper that's not in. So I said, okay, let's do that. So a few reps go by, everyone's, you know, bypassing, it's going great. And this one kid says, you know what? I think they, in their head, they said, I'm going to try a drop kick, try something a little bit different. And I kid you not, it drop kicked right into this young girl's forehead, like right on the face. And that, <laughs> that girl fell like a, like a tree, literally just fell right over. All the parents rushed to the field and I'm like the new guy. I, they, just, they just hired me. And I'm thinking to myself, that was so stupid. What am I doing? And I got the kids back and I, I just like, I felt so bad because I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I don't have any, I, why am I trying to like create this environment where it's not there and all this stuff. So that's what I mean by dimensions that sometimes you can get in a lot of trouble. It. And luckily the team gave me insurance or they gave me insurance <laughs> to not have to worry about that stuff. Girl was concussed for a few weeks. No issues there. She had a little, uh, what was this kid? What was this kid? <laughs> I think she was 13. She was 13. What? Poor girl probably went to school with a full 90 hat the entire week. And I don't know. Yeah, it was just, so that's what I mean by but that. Yeah, I know. I just think that Jenny, like when you're training and you're doing, you know, you have your team cut, obviously even in Corona, we have limited numbers and stuff like that. So everything was small sided and um, smaller dimensions and stuff. You're not, you're still looking at your goalkeepers. Like don't just pass the buck, like, you know, start offense with you. Yeah. But I, I, I think right, too, Jen? if you think of, even when you do small sided, say you're in the luxury of playing from, you know, the end line to maybe, the you know what between the center circle and the top of the d there you know or you're using the half field so many times as a keeper we get the ball in those small sided games like saucy was saying we put the ball down our feet so we're inside our six and then we're playing well in a game use <laughs> your whole 18 come to the end of your 18 and now you've just gained uh you know 10 15 yards and uh, absolutely yeah Bob's your one, one, one of my biggest pet peeves jenny is that you know when a player doesn't think what am I, what is my objective here by making this pass? Like, am I just making this pass because I'm told that I'm supposed to pass the ball right now, you know, or do I have a specific reason, you know? And I think personally, I think a, a lot of things that like you were saying about your checklists, right. Is that you need to recognize and say, okay, 
my me making this pass, does it help my team get up the field to get a potentially a shot on goal in, in, into a, into a dangerous final action, you know, you know, up the field. And if it doesn't, if I'm either making the situation worse or the same as me, then why am I even playing this ball? You know, and, and I think one of the biggest issues that we have a lot of times, and, and I don't know if you would attest to this, is that we don't have enough goalkeepers that when they're doing any sort of distribution activities, when they're when they're doing the field player activity, they're thinking like those positions. Instead, they're thinking like a goalkeeper and just waiting for their turn for themselves to get it in, in the cage in any sort of isolated training, you know, and we really need to get these goalkeepers to think like a six or think, you know, think like a two, you know, if that's what we're doing in the session, do you agree? Yeah. I think the more that they can play as an outfield player, the that's the best it's going to be, especially at a younger age. And then, you know, the more you involve them in rondos or you involve them in the lead of the district, you know, starting the session off is coming from a goalkeeper and they're the, it's like when you lift weights, right? Saskia, I don't know, Mar, you probably can attest to this. Um, is that when you, when you go and you're doing, you know, your, your cable cross, Right. So you're doing the cable cross, you're in the gym, you're doing this, you're doing this. That's some good form, by the way. I like that. How does, this, yeah, <laughs> how does this relate? How does this relate to me as a goalkeeper? Right. Well, in my set position, making a save. And I think we don't relate anything we're doing to the game. So when we're in a rondo situation, now we've just we're in our defending third, also played to the two. I've gone to support underneath. Um, it's been played back to me. Now the next option in my head, I should be thinking, oh, I can play either one of my center backs. Can I find a six or an eight? Or does, because of the pressure, this ball just needs to go as high and wide in safety. And I, I think the more we can, as coaches, tell the kids, hey, how does that relate to a game? And ask simple questions that is going to, one, check for their understanding in those situations, then they'll, we'll never know what they know. But, you know, and I think the ones that are most successful and the ones that are playing at the highest level, this is why. So a lot of them are good shot stoppers. A lot of them can, you know, I mean, and this is where, I mean, I'm going to say, I think Saskia agree with me hundred percent. I, you know, remember the name Lauren, Lauren Brisky because that this kid is going to be playing for the U S one day, because as soon as she figures out the distribution side of it, haven't met a shot stopper better in the better across the world. I've been a little bit global here. So I, she's just unbelievable, but <laughs> I don't think, and I don't think Lauren will be upset if I say this, I don't think Lauren did a lot in the distribution side of it um, growing up and she's had to do catch up and she's done a fantastic job. And I know Saskia, you know, when we talked about it, we were like, we just gotta make sure Lauren keeps doing all that stuff. Cause I mean, this, this kid is somebody that we're all gonna be talking about one day. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Mike came to like my one spring game and, <laughs> and he, he was watching Lauren he's like, she's, She's got, she's worked, she's worked so hard on it and it's, um, and she continues to, and, um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, her side volley just, is that just, I mean, just the, the, the pace she has, the, the accuracy does, how direct it is, how clean it is. It's, it's really, 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 really a sight to behold. Uh, this is becoming a Lauren, uh, fan club, uh, podcast. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, so, she's got that little like drop little hitch kick that she does really quick. That's like spot on. I've never seen before. She's got like so many things in her toolbox right now. It's so awesome. Jen, I don't know if you've seen her. She is so fit. Like I've never been more upset that we didn't have a season for somebody that came in out of coronavirus, like 20 pounds lighter and fit as can be. And, you know, just, uh, you'd be so proud. You'd be oh, yeah. so proud. 
Omar, I got a question for you, you know, uh, in regards to like mistakes that a lot of coaches are making when, when they're doing these types of activities, like, you know, um, would you say that just like really the overcoaching is probably like the number one that you've noticed when, when it comes to this is in regards to like micromanaging what they want the goalkeeper to do? Uh, I think we talked about it, Mike, you and I like showing professional footage. And I think I definitely have that, um, instinct is to always show, you know, Ederson or whoever, whoever's really good at sweeper keeper, for example, and I'm showing them, this is what I want you to look like. But at the same time, these players are playing in a system like Liverpool and Man City. They're playing in a system where their team is so advanced. They have to be that 11th field player. So if I'm showing them this footage and this is what I want them to look like, this is what we're working on a perfect image. This is what I want to see. And then I'm trying to relate that to my goalkeepers and then in their head, okay, coach Omar wants me to pass the ball like Ederson. He wants me to be just like Allison. He wants me to do this, this, and this when that is also overcoaching, right? You're showing them a picture that's unrealistic. And now they step onto the field and try to be something that they're not. And again, now are we actually helping them or are we trying to be better versions of people that they're not? And I think that is something that I would say too, is, is the video is important, but at the same time, like manage your expectations of the session of what the goalkeepers that you're working at are working with, what their, I guess, ceiling is and what their potential is versus trying to have everything look so perfect. Like you would in Ederson or Sagan, um, Allison. So that's what I would say is, yes, yeah, some coaches overcoach, but at the same time, they have that unrealistic, ex uh, unrealistic expectation because of the footage or whatever they see on the weekend. And they try to get that from their goalkeepers. And if they don't show that or portray that, I think the coaching points can be a little bit misleading and, and, and skewed the wrong way. I, I think you just brought up a really, really good point, you know, and, and either Saskia or Jenny, if you guys want to interject on this is that I think that the youth level specifically, this happens is like, well, I've been working on this with my team because tactically I see Pep does this and I think it's a word of work. And so then what the goalkeeper does in this situation is this, and then they get frustrated that, you know, that little Johnny or, or little Sarah can't, can't do that. And there's like, well, that's what the goalkeeper's supposed to do in this situation. It's like, yeah, but you know, that's the, your, the demands of your game first off are very different than the demands of that game. And also just the level, your expectations are too high. You know, you know, would either one of you guys agree or, or am I kind of going on the, on the wrong side here? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. I think it's, you know, Omar's pretty much nailed it when he said, you know, that um, we, the expectations that we put on, on the youth players. So I think one, it's, it's allowing them to know what we want from them. Um, and often I, I, you know, and maybe it's changing a little bit, um, but letting them know what we want from the goalkeeper in that distribution or um, what's required for that day. And then um, having that discussion and then allowing, setting them up to succeed and then um, yeah. not them up to fail no i agree with that 100 percent. and you know how i feel mike about it it's a gray area as well first of all i can't stand joystickers as coaches it drives me crazy whether you're a field coach especially if you're a field coach um and um you might see things one way and they might see thing something a different way and you know sometimes there's a right and a wrong answer but sometimes sometimes there is a gray area give them the tools to make those decisions. Don't make them for them, you know, set, set it, set them up for success, set your team up for success and let them play. I, I think you, I think you brought up a, a really good point in regards to setting them up and then just letting them play, you know, and Jenny, obviously as a head coach, you know, you can attest to that is that, you know, you, once, once the match starts, you know, you need to let them make their own decisions, you know, and come up with their own solutions for a problem, you know, and, and the only way they're going to do a it, certain point. <laughs> okay 
Okay. Well, I'm saying that because if there's like a fundamental team breakdown and they're not identifying something you have to make, you're not just sitting back, like having your cup of tea and just like, you know, whatever, they'll figure it out. We'll talk about it. There's certain things. I mean, like, yeah, in the run of play more specifically, like, you know, things change. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jen, Jenny, I know, I know you got to get out of here in, in a few minutes. So I, no. I uh, yeah. She's got a meeting. <laughs> you, got a, you, you got, you got an LMU meeting, right? That you got to, got to get to. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so quick, quick question for you here. Um, any advice to any goalkeeper, like a young goalkeeper that's kind of getting caught they're either flat on a pass back or rushing a decision, you know, because I think those are the two biggest issues with youth goalkeepers is in regards to from a cognitive standpoint of, of like of, of what to do is they're either, they're either not mentally checked out, you know, or they're ahead of the play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Saskia will let another big thing I always talk about is ball lines and understanding where the ball line is and constantly moving and being what's the what's the saying is um, be ready instead of having to get ready. Um, yeah. And I think if you're always thinking that way. So, for instance, what I mean by the ball line is wherever the ball is to the middle of the pitch as a goalkeeper, I should be straddling that line or somewhere close to it. And that's where I'm going to be able to make saves in the distribution process. You're constantly moving. So when you receive you have that, that channel, no different to an outfield player or if you, I love that you brought up the six because if you can, a goalkeeper should be able to step in and play the six position very easily. We think they should be center backs, but that's a little bit different. You're dealing with contact, dropping that, but the six is the distributor, they're the playmaker. So as a goalkeeper, I want to be the playmaker. So when the ball's played back to me, I can continue to play forward. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, one of the biggest things in my opinion, personally, and I know both of you two as well are very high on this is that when it comes to distribution as a goalkeeper, you know, it's everything you do off the ball that's going to determine how that distribution, how successful that distribution is going to be, you know, the, 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 the final action is, is you making the actual movement when you have the ball at, at your feet, but everything leading up to that is going to determine because that's, where you you know what what type of what what type of support are you giving you know how deep are you how high are you you know are you checking to that ball are you not checking to that ball is going to determine what type of a ball you receive and where you're going to receive it you know and where what kind of pressure you're going to get right yeah totally and I think we want to make proactive goalkeepers and not reactive goalkeepers yeah yep. that's right um and I think we need to make not like absolutely insane like like what I see a lot with young goalkeepers and everything, you get into these games, they get ready to, you know, the distribution, you've got everybody yelling at you and they're like, ah, blah, 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 blah. and then you get all flustered and you don't know what to do. <laughs> like, and then you give up, I'm sorry, but you see young goalkeepers and then they, they rush it, you know, and, and they give up, they think they're supposed to go here because Jenny, Jenny, not Jenny, we won't use the name Jenny, we'll use the name Omar. So Omar's, <laughs> Omar's yelling at me and I think I'm supposed to give Omar the ball, but I see the field. I, I see the field. Omar might, might not see the pressure he has on, uh, you know, off his right hip or something like that, but he wants the ball and stuff. And I think teaching your, your goalkeepers to calm it down, see, know, understand what they have in front of them, understand their role and, and to make those choices with confidence, not fall into that is, is a big thing for youth keepers as well. And, and you see it, you know, as kids get older, as they get, they get flustered. Um, but you have to, you know, through practice and everything, calm it down.
Yeah, I think the the calming down, I think, is a, is probably the the biggest the biggest issue that we see. And you know, as as we wrap up here, Omar, I kind of want to just ask you in in regards to you know, because you share a lot of stories about you know your 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 faults, you know, when your trials in Mexico, <laughs> Mexico, you know, in college getting chipped, you know, uh, ice cream trucks that would distract you when, when you were nine years old, nine years old and hey, stuff like that. I will really quick. I will tell you, Omar, I used to get distracted too. Um, <laughs> even as I got older, I knew, and I say this and I say it, I'll be, I'll put it out there. I used to know every single color of the tail of a plane that used to land at JFK because I'd be on the field. So <laughs> not involved in play and bored. That I knew Qantas. I knew KLM. I knew everything. I was like, oh, look, at there's oh a KLM plane. There's a, Cause I'd look up, there goes the plane. I was like, oh yeah, that's United and everything. Yeah. So I would get distracted too. Reel it in. Well, it's probably it's probably better to know it's, it's probably better to identify planes. That's probably better suited for you in the rest of your life than ice cream flavors. That's probably I, you don't really need ice cream flavors very much in life. So no, no, no. But um, but 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 as we wrap up and, and Jenny, I I know I know you need to you need to get out of here. Um, first off, first thanks for taking all the time and dealing with the technical issues we've had today. I don't know what's going on with the yeah. Wi-Fi connection, but it's been it's definitely been spotty and we haven't been able to. St- stream online it, it's been a, it's been a yeah, whole but the good thing is is when you edit it it'll be smooth so uh yeah hopefully take yeah we'll we'll see how that works out well i mean that the audio the audio i'll be able to edit smoothly that that's smoothish let's just say um hey jenny if amanda lets me come over i'd be there any day thanks mike <laughs> we gotta put yeah. on some uh, some goalkeeper uh striker camps we'll do that together absolutely maybe. done and done you don't have to ask twice there, 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 there you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to blame everything on, uh, on, on 2020. I'm just what I'm going to do. I'm going to blame, uh, blame today on, on 2020. I guess there's worse things going on in the world than, than our Wi-Fi connection. Um, Jenny, if anybody out there wants to reach out to you, um, you know, if, if they want to connect in regards to either, you know, um, you know, you know, your journey, you know, or they're looking for more advice in regards to, you know, how to, how to train some of these activities, like where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Yeah, I think I'm pretty accessible. Uh, can, my email, all my information is right here. <laughs> you can contact me at LMU. Um, obviously, recruiting policies can't can't talk to uh, prospective student athletes, but you know, I, I'm I'm re- willing to talk to goalkeepers. I I think it's we it's a, the goalkeeper union. I'm a big fan of it, big part of it, and um, so yeah, I'm, I'm available to people. DM me or whatever, or Saskia get a hold of Saskia and she can get a hold of me. So absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. I really appreciate well, your time. This has been absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you got to come back on because we, yeah, have, we definitely. also have a big time New Zealand keeper coming up through the ranks, right? I think we were talking about like we got to get you two on together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully she'll be coming on very soon. And then shout out to her. You know, playing over in the the WSL. Um, which I, I think it's really awesome. You know, we've talked about it here. You know, I feel like I can watch that more accessibly than the in, the men's English Premier League now with, the, <laughs> with, the, with the, the Peacock app, which I don't know. Is that, I can't find anything. All right, I, I can't. I, <laughs> wrap I it up. I know. I know. We'll wrap it up. <laughs> all right, guys, you can reach out to Suskia Weber at Suskia underscore Weber on all social media platforms at ProGK Academy underscore on all social media platforms. Shout out to everybody who signed up for the supreme premium super duper service that Omar's uh, been, been providing. <laughs> 
out there uh some some great stuff in in, in the last last day or so and uh remember contact at inside the 18 that's the number 18 media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms that's all the time on inside the 18 and we are out later Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. The more followers we get, the more we can give back to the GK community. Let's all keep paying the knowledge forward, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Madgett, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know him as the czar of the virtual background, Pro GK Academy, Omar <laughs> Zini, with a fantastic background of some beach soccer going on right now. As well with us, as you know, the one and only Saskia Weber, who now I don't even need to mention what she does because she's got 17 different things going on right now. <laughs> Big shout out, guys. Make sure you're watching the Angel City piece that they just recently did on her uh, that's up on the uh, We Are Angel City YouTube channel right now and all, throughout all their social medias. Um, Saskia doesn't even just get just into goalkeeping on there. You actually get to know a little bit more about Saskia outside of goalkeeping. So really big shout out to that. That was uh, that was really awesome. And also, you know, Blodge, Mulqueen, Franz Hook, all the goalkeeper coaches that you mentioned on there. Big shout I out to them. I didn't mention Omar, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Omar's got his legions of legions of fans. Uh, joining us uh, in this in this cluster today is uh, UCLA men's goalkeeper coach Juan Cervantes. Which Juan, I've been made, meaning to have you on for this topic for so so long, and I'm I'm glad I finally. I was like, oh my gosh, it totally clicked right now. Let's just make it happen. Let's let's get it going. Um, for some of you guys who might not be familiar uh, with Juan's background and everything like that, uh, obviously U17 residency UCLA, but also involved with the men's national beach soccer team which a lot of people are like is that a thing and i go yeah that's a thing so Juan, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about that because i think a lot of people might not know about it yeah so beach soccer just like beach volleyball it's a sport right you have an indoor sport that you know turned into a beach phenomenon something super super exciting it's not just like soccer um beach soccer has uh three periods of uh, 12 minutes and you have music blasting throughout the whole game. So now communication, tactics, uh, substitutes on the fly has to be at the right time every time or else you'll get caught doing, getting countered and that's not fun. <laughs> Especially when you have a good rushing team against you. Well, I was just going to say about music blasting, dude. It just sounds like it's a day at the beach for everybody. Like this is like a national team game. And party, man. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> It's yeah, like coolers I mean, out. It's great. It's a party. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have uh, Eddie Soto at UCLA at the time, and he knew that I was like not really trying to pursue a pro career, and I focused more on my academics. And then, luckily enough, um, he was the head coach with Beach, and he wanted to see me in the sand. I gave it a shot. He liked what he saw, and you know, the good thing about me and um, 
a lot of people know that I, I'm really good with my feet. So I love to juggle. And I think that kind of helped me out in the long run. And even then, when I first started, it was very noticeable that I actually wasn't good with my feet because <laughs> beach soccer footwork is different from, you know, actual soccer footwork. You know, that, that's actually a really good point that you bring that up. And as we get into today's topic in regards to the sand training, I think that's that's definitely one of the things that I want to address is that a lot of people are using, you know, a beach soccer and, and sand training and sort of things that to help kids, you know, with, with those types of things, like like touches on the balls and things like that. So, um, you know, why don't we uh, why don't we just kind of kind of delve in, into it right now? You know, since uh, mm-hmm. since we got you here, you know, everyone's on a time crunch. Uh, Omar, you know, he's got to go eat a sandwich at your 250, you know, so we <laughs> <laughs> so only so much time. Um, why did I have explain- the day off? <laughs> oh, okay, you got. Well, you guys, we can. Well, so we can go off. Then I'm kidding. Go long, He's got a flat tire. <laughs> Suskia, there was also some some car trouble yesterday, so maybe yeah, it's uh, maybe it's, it's in the air thing. or something like that. That is a weird thing. Um, Juan, why don't you explain to some people out there who might not know what sand training is? Because I think there's a misconception that it's YouTube videos and Instagram videos of people flying through the ocean. <laughs> yeah, you know when I see videos like that, it really irks me to see just people <laughs> doing things for likes and subscribe subscriptions and i get it but like dude you have if you want to learn and grow like you should really dive into the depth of beach soccer because beach soccer is not just you know for a phenomenon it's it's a good thing because in a game you know you see people just throwing bikes and you just have to be ready um, but it also takes a whole nother level of seriousness for your training um, your hands need, need to be up a lot more. Um, and there's something that I talk to my keepers about. We all know about the set, but in order for our guys to go ahead and get the best out of their set, they really need to load. So when they load, now the hips go back a little bit deeper. Your hands are a little bit wider. And that kind of gets you ready for any one-on-one situations. And for a beach, if your hands are low, one centimeter, one inch, it's a centimeter or inch too late. And if you have your hands out here, it's a lot better than having them a little bit lower, if that makes sense. So it's, it's little little inches because these players are taught to strike to the sand and what happens with the sand? It is yeah. to bounce, right? The question for you, I think uh, a lot of times people who aren't familiar with, you know, beach soccer, you know, in terms of goalkeeping, how that translates from being on the field to stepping onto the, you know, the sand and all that stuff. What were certain things that you had to, like you said right now, your set position where your hands were set, were there certain things you had to change to adapt quicker and are you still kind of adapting? You know what, I I felt like coming back to the field from sand, my hands were at a better placement. Just because I had that sense of reaction, that heightency was just more adequate for field or grass, you know? We call it grass and sand. So, so if I say sand, I mean soft. <laughs> But when we go back to grass, like you're just set and you're just loaded, you're a little bit lower and you're expecting a heck of a shot because uh, I don't know if you guys held the beach soccer ball, those things are really light. So those things just fly. And if you're set, just set, you're probably not going to be ready. So we expect you to load to actually be ready for that spot. So does that make sense? So it's just a little bit of how you're with, with the hands, but you still want them in front of your body, not out. You want them in front. And I'll show you guys videos soon. And your reaction yeah. must must be like so on point because if it hits off the sand, it can go anywhere. 
Yeah. Draw which those is, divots and everything in the sand. Where's the ball going to go? Yeah, which is one of the main points. We we got to make sure we're honest because here, if you're not honest and you don't want to take it to the body, then you're going to go ahead and expect the bounce that's just going to go ahead and deteriorate into the goal. You don't right, want right. that. Yeah, you know, I, it's funny. It's funny that you men- mentioned that Juan, because I think that's one of the things that that's a lot of the misconceptions. I think a lot of times in regards to the beach game too is people think like, oh, it's just like pristine sand, where but it, but in reality, it's like it's like going to the beach and like playing in the sand. And I think I think that's one of the benefits to to young goalkeepers is like it really because I know I did sand training when I Absolutely. when I was in college, and oh my god, it it really it made me so much more explosive and dynamic once I got back onto the field. Like, I don't know if you recognize the same thing too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of the main things. And one of the main reasons why we go to the beach, right? Um, uh, the only thing is that when you bring a field player into the sand, they expect to run, 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 but it's not about running, running, running. It's about where's the best spot you can be and who can you drag in? You know, for example, I'm the goalkeeper. They're expecting me to be able to hold the ball. So when they play a ball back to me, I got to make sure I lift it and keep the ball in the air with my knees, right? So that when that forward releases from my center back, now I have an open man to my center back who is now pressing on the attack. So it's five on five, right? So the four four and four that are on the field. So that's how you play your 4v3s and all this and that. It's just a lot of movement. You know, I, I was going to say this right now. You know, um, you said you have some videos. Do you want to you want to pop up some of those videos so we can kind of break, oh, yeah. break it down Let and so see. people can kind of see? This is against Sweden at the World Cup. Can you guys see this? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Where's the music? <laughs> I wasn't there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> so, do you guys see that set? Yeah. Yeah. Can you freeze on that? Yeah, I'm going to try to freeze on that when I see it. So, right when he shoots, I make sure I'm set and I'm not leaning and I got to stay forward. And sure enough, the ball hits right on my left arm, right where it's supposed to go. And you also got to make sure you cover your angle because if you don't, Bang, hands go up and I'm set there. I see. I would think, I would think for young goalkeepers, this would actually be extremely beneficial because I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I, one of the biggest pet peeves I have is kids that just have a tendency to drag their arms low and down and behind them, you know, and any sort of type, type of activity like this that's forcing them to stay forward like this in a positive shape, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I think is beneficial. And I think with sand for sure, you'll see mistakes like that, you know? And here's another example. Um, same guy, almost same play. Is just give the ball to this guy. And that's where I come out and I just take one. Boom. So I'm coming. Hands go back to that same spot. Notice I'm covering my first post. He takes a firm strike and I just take one to the chest. But I am covering my far post, I think, pretty well. Right from his angle. You know, sure enough, it hits the body, the chest. But... My arms are still there. Body turns after the hit. So just a matter of staying honest. And at a World Cup, obviously, I'm not going to shy away from anything. Um, yeah. As for any game, especially, because that kind of dictates who you are as a keeper. Yeah. Suski, do you, do you ever, um, or Omar, either one of you guys, do you guys ever incorporate any sand training into to like the off-season training programs that you give your, your young goalkeepers? Um, I do sand training um, when I do privates and stuff like that. Um, I'll head out to the beach and everything. Well, Rogers is a great beach to do sand training on. Um, just so you know, if you're looking. It's just wide, you know, deep sand. Anyway, um, but, um, and I trained in sand in college as well um, and out of college. Like I did a lot of footwork training 
and every a lot of footwork training with my personal trainer in sand. Um, but I, I do think it's incredibly beneficial, but it's different. Like, don't get us wrong. Anybody watching, it's a totally different concept. If you're training as a, as a grass goalkeeper, as a field goalkeeper in sand for that, as opposed to what Juan's talking about, mm -hmm. training for beach soccer. There's, it's two totally different things. So when I say I'm doing footwork, I'm doing the footwork to speed my footwork up for grass, not for beach soccer. Yeah. 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 No, that, 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 that's a really good point. And Omar, I know that that's something that you've actually had issues with, not with beach soccer necessarily, but you've talked about it in regards to futsal has become very oh, popular yeah. now. And now mm -hmm. you get a lot, of, a lot of goalkeepers that come to you and they start doing football, futsal activities, you know, and, and it's not translating to, to the outfield game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's super important that, you know, I, I mean, I would say that a lot of, I mean, us being on this podcast right now, we're all genuinely just very curious about the position and, and whatever we do, we're very intentional about it. So for example, like if, if Juan is probably his first time, you know, playing beach soccer or somebody who's not really familiar with beach soccer playing for the first time, that's super curious about the position. They're trying to figure out how they can be the best goalkeeper in those specific moments. So for me, for example, when it came to beach soccer, we used to play it a lot in my club. Uh, we'd go probably like two times a month, which is not a lot. But even though we do that, we'd have little scrimmages within the team. And like Juan said, like I felt there were certain times where I would set and my feet would be so stuck into the ground that I didn't feel light and I couldn't really get that push off. Yeah. So I was, again, very curious about it. And I'd be like, OK, yes, I know I'm not playing on grass, but how can I like manipulate my feet and my, my preset and everything so that I can get my feet off the ground quick enough to actually adjust and move? Because I keep jumping into the ground and my legs are so heavy, I can't get back out. So I was like, okay, how can I figure this out? How can I figure this out? And I, little by little, I figured out, I'm not going to say I was the quickest guy ever, but I figured out little <laughs> movements. And I was very specific up to, I know where I'm at. I'm, on, I'm in beach soccer. This is the context that I'm learning it in. And then once I was able to, you know, as Swan says, go back to grass, my mindset took those same concepts of my feet need to be lighter so I can shift that I did in the sand, moving it to the grass now. And I, I re, like, re, just reprogrammed that same exact lesson plan and what I was thinking about. So I can really, really utilize it and make my, my feet a little bit sharper, a little bit quicker on grass. But I think a lot of people, when it comes to futsal, when it comes to beach soccer, they don't understand the context and how to reprogram it so that it works for them in all different surfaces. And I think that's where the issue is. And for me, at least, I think the language is a little bit rough because a lot of people don't understand how to translate that and make it so it, it works for them in one, uh, one, one field and shift it to the next. And I feel like that is where we're kind of struggling when it comes to futsal goalkeepers doing the block save all the time. The decision or excuse me, the technique is right, but the decision mm -hmm. of when to use it is wrong. And I feel Absolute, like that as absolutely. long as we can, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I feel like if we can really, really establish mm -hmm. that, I think that's why we wanted to have you on, Juan, is to understand certain terminology that we could potentially see that we are, we're familiar with as goalkeepers who play on grass. And how can we translate those little things? And for you, how, how have they translated for you back onto grass? Yeah, no, I mean, I, with beach, you know, we're trying to stay up as much as we can because, you know, with the beach soccer players, these guys are pro futsalers. Like we mentioned, half of our team are they're Brazilians, you know, and the other half are Latinos or Mexican or whatever that, you know, all they know is that all they come from is like playing futsal. So these guys know that methodology tactic wise, you know, how to move and how to do all that. But they can easily chip a ball over you. And if you're down, you got to make sure you're up. You know, but staying on your feet is very, very important. Yeah. 
you, you know, Juan, you brought up, brought up a really good point in regards to that, you know, and, and again, I, I don't want to make this, you know, a, a, a sociopolitical show or anything like that, but you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned the, the Brazilians and the Latino influence and everything like that and the beach national team and everything like that. And I think that that's one thing that we've been missing in the United States is that 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 creativity or that comfortability with the ball. You know, and I think that the more and more we can get young players to do different types of activities, like Saskia is always such a big, uh, uh, you know, proponent of, of cross training. Well, this is a form of cross training that isn't so far away from if you want to keep playing soccer. Cool. Find different surfaces, find different types of versions of soccer that you can play so that your body doesn't just get accustomed to making the same movements over and over again. Like it's like we're even we're talking about like beach soccer right now. Lateral movement seems to be very difficult in beach soccer. Yeah, and I mean, I think it comes from where we are in the United States. You don't see beach goals out there for you. The only place you'll see them is in Santa Monica and probably in Virginia, Virginia Beach. That's where tournaments are held, either Virginia Beach or somewhere in Florida. But, you know, going to Argentina, Paraguay, um, Brazil, um, where else have we been? Bahamas, Mexico, all those places have beach goals all those players learn through beach and they transfer into soccer so now they have different scapegoats you know they can use foot volley where they just like chest and the ball goes up you guys see that all the time now it's very popular you know what i mean but here in the united states people don't know about that so by the time they facilitate into beach soccer it's too late in the united states we focus you know, the career of our student athletes into grass. And if things don't happen, then you right. have this and that. So by that time, it's too late. You know, in the United States, our team right now, we're ranked like what, number 16, 17 in the nation, which is good for having businessmen, business owners. You have people that, you know, are not doing soccer all day and day out. You know, I'm coaching. Luckily, I touch a ball, but I'm not at the beach where I want to be, right? So it's like, it's, it's different because by the time we actually meet as a group, we have to get back at it and, and remember it and, and get my heightened reaction back. Because the other day I hopped on with the boys. I was like, damn, I'm out, I'm out of shape, you know? <laughs> so it's like, not until you get back that you see like, oh, Don't man, this, this way. Is I'm not getting that goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting that goal. Forget it. <laughs> Yeah, you know that that's that's a really good point that you brought up there in regards to like the volley and the chest and those those types of skill sets and everything like that because I think, you know, one of the, one of the the benefits that I found when I when I was doing sand training, um, and by the way, the guy who was doing the sand training with me was not a goalkeeper coach, um, he was a field coach, and he was trying to get me more comfortable with movements and and that those sort of things. Yeah, you know, my 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 training background. was a was a was my um, personal trainer. Who was who does basketball? He he was all footwork mm -hmm. and speed and enhancement. So it wasn't a goalkeeper coach at all. Yeah, and and but because of that, he came from a non-traditional. So he his thinking wasn't linear. And and Omar, I don't know if you've experienced this too, but when you're sometimes working with somebody that that is not a goalkeeper coach, their thinking isn't linear. So they're not limited by, well, this is traditional goalkeeping and this is what I'm supposed right. to do. So he allowed me, he, he, he basically allowed me to, when I came back to the field is I was much more improvisational than I had been before. And I wasn't as much of a robot as I was before. And Omar, I know that's something that you've been kind of trying to train, you know, get kids to stop doing drills and start being able to more improvise within the moment. And I think beach soccer is great for that. 
Absolutely. Like, I mean, that's what, uh, again, the context is so important. I think Juan even said it right there. Like, it doesn't matter if it's the World Cup, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to take one to the face. And the mindset of that, <laughs> again, when you have a smaller goal, for example, your angle is most likely in that position, you're going to probably cover most of the goal by standing up. Absolutely. So I feel like that's what the intention of you stepping in there. And it could be a goalkeeper coach, it could be a regular coach just mentioning the different perspective that gives you that little aha moment, the little light bulb that comes on of like, Juan, you know, the goal is a little bit smaller, so you don't have to really have your angles. I mean, they have to be, they have to be right, but you don't have to cover as much. So once you get into that position, just make sure your legs and your arms are ready to shoot out just in case. Mm -hmm. So understanding that and then be, uh, understand the layer of like, you have to be brave and then translating that to goalkeeping. Like Juan just said, you don't always have to, you know, um, use the techniques that are taught to you but it's important that you at least have them in your toolbox so you can activate them whenever so it's a side volley whether as he said juggling was probably not an activity or something you ever thought was was going to be valuable for you and then all of a sudden damn okay now beach soccer i have it in my toolbox because i'm just genuinely curious about goalkeeping genuinely curious about the position that it's going to help me out here and i feel like that side from the angle of the video that you showed us one if i was to play beach soccer at least for me i'm i'm learning how to be braver and my angles would be, you know, right. My, I'm learning how to be ba uh, braver. So like Mike, you just said, you can kind of improvise in those situations of it's a 1v1. I might I might just take one to the face here. Or like when we saw with Peter Schmeichel mm -hmm. doing the star jump or doing whatever, just to be brave. And he learned that playing, you know, uh, handball in Denmark. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So different sports, different things activate different things in your head. I think that creativity allows you to be more uh, improvisational. Yeah. You but know, it comes to like, that's what we're talking about with cross training. You know, it's yeah, bringing exactly. Mike Schmeichel with a handball, with anything. It's taking a little bit from everything and 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 creating your own your own goalkeeping style. In a sense, you know, like it's a gray area. And so, like I said, I used to train with the Rutgers women's basketball team. I used to train with the track coach. Like anything, I mean, swimming doesn't really help me, but you know, <laughs> just like, but you just bring it's a good little, for you. It's good for it, you. It's great for you. You bring a little bit in from all different areas, and I can see beach soccer, but I think it's important to realize what works specifically in that moment in the clip you showed. As comp as if we would translate that situation onto the field, you'd handle that differently. Mm -hmm. You have to, you can't load that much in that situation. You'd probably get closer going to a K save, or maybe if he took a long touch, go down for a 50, 50, but in beach soccer, I'm assuming because the ball slows down so fast, like you can't, it's, it's kind of, I'm assuming I don't play beach mm -hmm. soccer. So it's kind of harder to judge, like, do what, am I coming for that? Because all of a sudden the ball, he takes a long touch and the ball stops mm -hmm. in a sense. So I, that's, that's gotta be kind of weird to judge. I, I really want to play beach soccer right now, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, right, right, right now, just just right now here in, in this room right now. I want some music playing. I want music playing. I want the drink, the, the drinks, the drinks flowing. We maybe, maybe we got some empanadas going too and everything like that. I, that, that I wanna, that's I, can we do that skipping drill I always see on YouTube? Oh, the one God. in the water, <laughs> the deflection oh, one <laughs> in the God. shallow water. That's Never done that. That's <laughs> my favorite. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like flying and skipping off the wall. So let's like... let, let's let's talk about that one. Let, let's actually get into the actual exercises. So let's why don't, why don't you get me? Do you have any videos? Maybe they can show some some skill sets. You know that that you do in beach soccer. You know things that you can work on with your goalkeepers if you take them to the beach and, and you take them to the see. sand. Um, I like to put hurdles so to just to make sure that their knees go a little bit higher than 
than normal, just yeah. so they're, they're moving, especially because sand, your, your, your feet do dig into the sand and I really want them to push off that, that standing leg just to get that nice depth um, high enough. But you want four to five reps max and just to get their heart rate going, but you wanna really emphasize handling, handling, handling. You wanna get those hands in. Um, after the hands, you really wanna focus on their set and you wanna drill balls onto the sand from a distance as if it was a volley and they got to really make that safe. Boom. You get two sticks about a little bit more than arm's length apart, and that's their body or that's their bubble, right? And you got to make sure they cover and make sure their body goes forward because you really don't want them going back. Is it a lot of reaction work and stuff in that sense? If you're drilling a volley off, the, off like I said before, like off the sand, I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of fast twitch like yeah it's, it's that's the same way as, as as you're warming up your hands you also got to warm warm up your fast twitch muscle because yeah. those guys when they have space they give you your back they lift and pop that ball up eight nine feet high and they just bite boom they don't know where it's going oh my Neither God, do i gotta you. watch this <laughs> yeah i know right i, I, I want so, to watch a beach session here yeah and, 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 and the best part of this the best part of that if you have time as a keeper because if you stand up and you do a bike you can't touch this keep you can't touch this player so if you touch him it's an automatic foul because you touched him and he's about to throw a bike. So there's a, there's a foul and there's a free kick. So he's no kind of got like a bubble around him when that's he does it. it. Yeah. So like, leave him alone, let him do the bike. Exactly. So wow. that's the beauty of <laughs> that's it, right? Crazy. So, so if you touch him, it's a, it's a free kick with no wall, which it's intense. You can move back and forth, whatever you want, but it's a free kick with no wall. And they so set the, just... don't they like kind of set the ball up? Like, uh, can you set up on like a little mound? You make a little mound with your feet. You can't use your hands or that's oh, okay. a yellow. You use your feet to make your mount. You use the ball to circle it, and that's your little mount. But going back to the point, when the ball goes up, as a keeper, you can come up and just smack it off the hit. So you just, like, go 50-50 with your foot as long as you don't touch the player. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there was, there was plenty of those, and, and it's fun when you actually What's your get range? good timing. What's your range? Is there, like, there's like a, the equivalent of an 18? So you have four seconds to get rid of the ball. And you're 18, technically. There's flagpoles to your right and left of your goal. And it's about eight, about 10 yards, about 10 okay. yards of space. But within that range, you have four seconds to get rid of it. So if your defender comes in with the ball into your box, the four seconds start. Because you can get a back pass back to your hand from the, from the defender oh. one time. One time. One time in the play or one time in the one game? time in the play one time in the play <laughs> so if they like touch you the can't ball, just it pass restarts. back yeah i got it i got it yeah it restarts so you really have to like time that pass back when you're in danger hold on we, we got a question we got a question here in the in, in the comment section right now okay and this comes from uh this comes from impact goalkeeper academy and uh <laughs> those are my partners at iga big joe velasco <laughs> and eric misra <laughs> and uh it goes congrats to juan aka john on directing his first IGA camp in Huntington Beach this past weekend, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation point. And uh, they want to know why they call him John. <laughs> so back, I don't know if this is cool or not, but uh, at UCLA, they called me John and not Juan. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> That's basically the story. <laughs> Wait. Wait, like when you were playing at UCLA, they called they used to call you John. Just, just to like, just like to mess around, you know. You're at UCLA. Oh. We're gonna call you John. 
Juan, John, you know? That's the English version of version of Juan. John. <laughs> John. So yeah, I, I don't know if that would, uh, not sure if that would fly. Now I'm not sure if that would fly today. <laughs> oh, it would totally not, it would not fly today. <laughs> Dif- different world we different world. <laughs> It's Juan. It's not John. Yeah. It's Juan. It's, it's, yeah. it's not John. Yeah. No. 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 And, no. It, it, it's and it's and it's Juan Cervantes. Like it's it Juan is Cervantes. not. It's oh, not Mike Juan Cervantes. His, my, it's Juan Mike Cervantes. And his accents. I love Mike's accents. <laughs> gotta 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 pull it off right here. Um, I, I want to talk about this uh real real quickly um with you guys and um you know um again I, I want to bring back kind of those social media videos okay because I think I think we really do need to stress that I think you know, a lot of the mistakes that a lot of young goalkeeper coaches make is when they see those videos and then they try to incorporate that when they're doing sand training, thinking that is what sand training is. Um, Juan, what are, what are some of the specific mistakes you've seen young goalkeeper coaches making when they're trying to train kids in the sand? I mean, the first thing that's going to come out is making a foot save. You don't want to make foot saves all the time because that ball is nowhere near you by the time you make that contact with that ball. And two, it just makes you go backwards and then you have to get back up and reset it. And you're just basically giving rebounds and giving what the what the forward wants. You're giving cake. You don't want to give cake, you know? Yeah. No, that, that, that's a, that's a really good point, really good point in regards to that. And I think, I think a lot of that also has just kind of has to become back to the why, like, why are you doing this training? You know, I mean, we've, we've talked about it on the show you know, both, both you guys, Saskia and Omar, you know, on how it's so important it is to like, if you're going to do something like sand training, okay, why are you doing this? Are you doing this just because you want to change it up for a day? Make it, make it a little fun for the kids. Are you doing it? I wanted to go to the beach. Yeah. No, I, I do it for conditioning mostly. Yeah. Like usually my sand training is based around footwork um, and um, somewhat collapse diving explosion and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. just like, you know, getting that, that push because like, like Juan said, like now, you know, you're not getting, you're not, you're not on ground. So now, you know, you have to like kind of load a little deeper. It takes more out of your, your quads and your legs. And so my focus usually on sand is, 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 fitness yeah no what, what i like to teach a lot of and at iga we teach us a lot is the mini step before the hard push yeah so if if i can get my goalkeepers to get that mini step that's an inch or two inches more than what you would with just that step off and push off because uh, i feel like it's maximizing if you can maximize your footwork it maximize maximizes your length through the ball and that's what you want ultimately yeah, one yeah. of our UCLA keepers, I'm so focused on that with her right now, my freshman, mm-hmm. Kelly. Like, mm-hmm. she just, she needs to get that mini step in on, mm-hmm. and to get to load and get some, just that little bit and that little bit more power. And it, it'll make such a difference on some balls that she's just not getting to or getting to and not, not handling. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just getting to them. And I know that if she gets that mini step in, and I didn't even think about putting her in sand to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Look at that! See, See the, the, whole re- the whole reason we did this show today is to convince Saskia to do to do that. Um, Omar, I actually want to talk to. It's actually really good that you brought that up. Tomorrow, like Juan's going to see me backing up a truck onto the field and dumping a bunch of sand. Oh, actually, no, I think a- there is sand on uh, the other field because we're moving field. Come on. <laughs> That, that's what I wanted to bring up, though, because like Omar is, is not by the beach. Uh, he's in he's in lovely Arcadia, California. Not a lot of beaches there. Um, but 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 uh, but what I've done and, and I don't know if you've done this, Omar, is, you know, is you find sand pits, you know, either a volleyball, volleyball. pit or a yeah. track pit or anything like that and, and work with the kids there. Have you ever you ever done that? 
Uh, I haven't. No, I, I don't really. I don't know. I'm, I'm very, unfortunately, one dimensional. Sometimes with my training is just very like on the field. And again, I don't get a lot of my kids very often. I get them maybe once a week. So if I were to say, hey, to this week, you're paying me to go train on the sand. I don't know if their parents could resonate with that, like understand that. But um, if I did, I'm pretty sure, like, again, like, hold on, hold on, Omar, but intentional I, about what it is. But be, to hear, be here. I, I want to say this right now, Omar. I was like, I think you, I think you need, you should, you should give yourself a little bit more, uh, more benefit of the doubt there, because the thing is, is that you know, you're you're a very good coach, you know, as we always always speak about, mm -hmm. you know, and if you know the why and why you're doing it, I've I've I do sand training with my kids. I've done it. I've done it before yeah. too. And one of the benefits I, I've seen for sand training a lot of times, and, and I don't know if anybody else can talk about this, is um, their load their load in, has increased dramatically in regards to because the sand is so thick that once they get back on the field, their push up is so much more effortless and smooth because their body is so used to having to try to generate so much energy in order to push off and get out. I, I've seen it, you know, with, with flighted balls, I've seen them be able to push off on crosses better because they have to start out in the sand, kind of like uh, volleyball players, you know, when they have to come up, oh, to go spike a ball. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Get, <laughs> when they get on the regular ground. You know, ridiculous. So, they're vertical. So, so what we're saying is, Omar, is the next Pro GK Academy video has to take place in the sand. All sand. <laughs> All sand. I'll, no, I'll definitely. Uh... We have the entire Pacific Coast. <laughs> so, take a drive. Take a drive west. I don't know where our kid is. Take a drive uh, west. That's fair. No, I... <laughs> uh, we have a question that's here. Fair, that... yeah. I definitely gonna try. Go ahead, Go ahead Mike. No, I was going to say that uh, to, to Juan right here, this comes from Brian Catalano up in Cal North, and he goes, uh, Juan keeps talking about leg drive and power step and explosion. Why does he only ever show his bench press days on Instagram then? <laughs> hey, I'm retired now. I'm retired now. So now I, I can work on my benching. <laughs> Something I've been kind of putting off to the side for a while. What <laughs> up? But I, I think I think that that Brian actually, despite the fact that he was trying to troll you right there, does bring up a really good point in regards to when we talk about sand training, we don't necessarily have to even be have soccer specific. You know, Saskia was bringing up performance work, you know, speed work, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. quick first step, you know, pushing Explosion. off and stuff like that. You know, and and when it comes to things like bench press or whatever, like doing push-ups in the sand and having to jump out and do the pro, you know, all that plyometric work and stuff is so so say, beneficial. Like, I want to see Mike do push-ups. That's I mean that's yeah that. that's that's CrossFit for you right there too. And those Absolutely. CrossFit those CrossFitters are the fittest in the world. I think those guys go through water, through sand, through running. I hate running, but you know those guys oh, yeah. are ultimately. <laughs> Great at so, benching too, you know. So do I, Juan. So do I. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I I think that that is something that I think because we need to bring that up too because I think there's a lot of people out there who are going to be like, well, if I'm not with a goalkeeper coach, you know, or you know, if I just want to do performance stuff, yeah, I, I think just one of the things that that I think I want to bring up and 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 I, Saskia, I know you're so huge on this, Omar. I'm sure now you're going to be huge on it after getting scolded <laughs> scolded on the podcast is variety, a variety of surfaces, variety of movements, variety of um, activities mm -hmm. so that kids don't get stuck doing the same thing over mm -hmm. and over and over again. And sometimes you just need that shock to the system, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I think those kids would be more than happy to pay for a private at a beach or at a volleyball court just because it's something different 
than what they normal normally see. And if you can go ahead and hit balls off the sand, they'll be like, whoa, I was not expecting yeah. that. Now I got to get ready. Now I have to load. And that's where you come as a coach. Did you see what happened? Maybe your hands should be here. This is why I'm asking for you to load and be set out of practice because you need to make sure you get low. So one of the things that happens with one of my goalkeepers, he tends to roll on his shoulder when he dives. I don't want that. So as you're following out of your progression, you know you're going to get a low ball. Go ahead and start loading and work on your mini steps through. Does that make sense? So now, not only is he falling and like doing that fast switch and bringing back, now he's collecting and going right here. Juan, do you, have, Juan do, you, do you have a tape in, 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 your, in your collection right there that shows that little, how that mini step in the beach so that everyone can kind of see that? Do you have, do you have a clip oh, of that? Cause I, I would love I, to see how, how that translates there. Let's see, I, I'll check again. I mean, Omar, my, like, I've taken my kids to the beach, and granted, you know, most of them are in the Palisades in Santa Monica and stuff, <laughs> and now, what I've taken, so they're already there, but then they ask, like, then they're like, hey, can we train at the beach? Like, they, they ask, you know, and, you know, they get their butt kicked out there, but they like the variety sometimes, and, uh, you know, and, like, even Jamie, like, I've had her in the sand pit up by where, where we train, there's a beach volleyball um pit at that field and i've had her in that doing footwork so i do not i do not have one. Oh uh, no 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 worries man um th that that's a question actually uh one i have for you is uh when you do this type of training barefoot or with with uh with socks boots what what, what Ooh, that's the best? hot yeah so when we're when we were in when we were in the world cup qualifiers the coco cap in puerto vallarta mexico um it was the hottest it's ever been there for a long time and we just warming up, we were getting blisters between our toes, like bubble blisters, like water blisters. Oh and it, it hurts so bad. So rules are you can only tape from your toes down to your heel and your heel and your toes must be shown. So it, it, it would suck to kind of play in these in these sands because as you're playing as a keeper, I'm just standing there. They're at least moving. But I have to make sure I dig my toes <laughs> into the sand so I can get into the cooler sand. But I can't be there for too long because it's super narrow and there's a lot of things always happening. So I can't be there for too long. But yeah, it's you have to make sure your toes and your heel is showing for, for beach. But, but you know what? But that's good for young goalkeepers to do anyway. So what? that's what we need to do. Omar, take, <laughs> take your kids into a sand pit and a hot day in Arcadia. <laughs> <laughs> and just force them to stand in there. They're One gonna get up and get blisters. They're gonna get up to their heels real quick. Dusty, you said you. They'll you be said, light you on their feet. Yeah. Quick feet, quick feet. <laughs> this whole time, Juan. This whole time when I was watching your highlights, I just thought you were really dynamic. You really dynamic. Your you feet were just, were just on fire. Your, my feet were just burning, man. That's why I was moving. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, when I do it out, out at the beach here, if it's a hot day, then, you know, the kids will put wear their socks or something like that. They know. But um, <laughs> but that's, that's it gets hot. I can't imagine that. Are you allowed to throw buckets, <laughs> like throw buckets of water or something like that so on the ground? Or the, in Mexico, you're, you're allowed to spray the sand in between periods. So that was like the cool part. But that water soon turns hot. So like... Oh, yeah. It really hurts, anyways. <laughs> at that at that degree of, of heat, it, it just that. like doesn't matter. Oh, so oh you can God. tape around your foot, like basically from the end of the toes, like the balls of your feet to your heel. Yeah, like from right here all the way down. But your heel needs to be showing. 
Okay. Um, by, by the way, guys, I just, just want to let you guys all know right here. Uh, Omar, Omar is extremely in, in connected into this right now. He's just having some Wi-Fi issues. So if it just sounds like he's laughing at delayed. the wrong times, <laughs> he's very delayed. It's I like he's watching he subtitles. I he's watching. No, I'm like, I'm hearing, I'm hearing my crap about not, not beach training. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Oh, that's, that, that's all good. I thought you were got a new Wi-Fi, Omar. I thought that's a, I thought, I thought that was in the cards. What happened? What happened that? No, not yet. It's, it's, uh, it got better. And then I don't know what happened. Like, after, like, the first two weeks of the month, it gets worse and worse. I don't know if my grandparents are watching, uh, watching their shows right now too. So I got to, uh, do what I got to oh do. Oh my God. All right. Well, um, well, well, let, let's do this for, for somebody, let's say, let's, um, Juan, like somebody like Omar, who's never done sand training before, you know, with, uh, with his kids, that is, I know he, you've, mm -hmm. you've done it yourself mm -hmm. playing and everything mm -hmm. like that. What, what advice do you give him in regards to the first activities he should do with them, uh, to make sure that they're doing it right? Yeah. Just make sure you just don't overwork them because they got to make sure you got to make sure your, your hour long session doesn't turn into two hours because when, when you're in sand, it's like time slows down. Right. So you got to make sure that these kids kind of get a feel of it. I like to send them around the first uh, lifeguard tower just so they can get a feel of it. Now they're a little bit winded, but they're also like getting their mind right. OK, I was kind of rough. Now I got to make sure I kind of suit myself, you know, for the rest that he's going to give me. And you don't want to give them more than more than six. You know, you want to make yeah. sure that, that everything is working and give them the proper resting time. Two minutes, two minutes, two minutes after every set, because when they're going, you really want them to go. And especially in sand, you want to make sure your technique is at its best, even when you're tired and you're going to get tired really fast. You, you just brought up something that I, I completely forgot about. And, and that is that is so true in regards to the fact that like I one of the mistakes I made as a young goalkeeper coach was I overdid the, the load too much load, too much load in the sand. Mm -hmm. Um and because the thing is, is that I was thinking of, I'm doing these activities as if they were on the grass, but mm -hmm. the recovery, the recovery needed from the sand, what you're saying is so much more than what the recovery that's needed on the grass. Right. Yeah. I mean, use that time to ask questions. So what, what can I be doing here? Where should I do that? You know, that's when you go ahead and engage with the keeper, keeper coach and kind of feed off their mind because, you know, as a student, you still got things to learn. So use that time to, Hey, what do you think about my hands here? And then you're back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that that's a really uh that, that's a really good point. Um, I I I, I one, one thing that I I I'm, I'm kind of curious about is regards is to uh distribution, you know, um because you were saying you know you, one of the benefits that you've had your whole life is you've been very good with your feet. Um, how did that translate to to the beach game in regards to because of the way that the the ground is and everything like that, and then also how do you how do you work with kids on distribution in the, in the sand that's going to benefit them on the field and not just be rules? like, yeah, so those are complicated. I mean, what this, are the rules? <laughs> the rules are basically, like I said, you, when you're inside your box, you know, time is count going. And if you don't let that ball go as a free kick and there's no wall. So if you're not really getting pressed, you bring that ball outside of that line. That's kind of given to you by these, you know, flags. improvised flags that are there. And you bring it out time stops you can keep the ball there but the second you get pressed you got to really make sure you lift the ball up one touch so you got to really scoop your foot under the ball and really flick when you flick that ball it goes to your knee right you got to make sure you're dribbling and you don't look at the ball you got to make sure you're looking at the field as you're juggling does that make sense yeah so it's kind of like <laughs> kind of like maradona when he's like warming up with his knees 
just like that. But now you're looking straight and you're looking at the runners or, or everything like that. So and you were a good juggler. Well, you're basically the quarterback, right? No, so, I'm like you were a good juggler. You said. Yeah, I was. I, was I suck. Decent. So basically, I, was say I never make the USB suck. <laughs> I was pretty decent. I mean, I'm not gonna say I came into to beach soccer knowing it, but like it it did take me a year and a half to get that flick better right. and better. You know, you know, I was good enough making saves and and making decisions, but you got to make sure you're good with your feet because when these players play you a firm ball to your chest, you got to make sure you pop it up and you're able to keep it in front of you and not like bounce over there. And, and then you're stuck in a struggle. Is there offsides? There's no offsides. So, so can, that's you why post, can you post somebody up and like throw the ball full field? Correct. You can. And nice. you can, it, which all is the over cool that. part, which is the best <laughs> thing you want. You know, you want somebody to go away and somebody else to check into that spot. So you throw them an underhand straight to their chest or their knees so that they can one time it going up. The second they goes up, then that's what you want. You so want you, them to throw a bike. If you, you want throw, them to throw that, the bike. yeah. If you throw that ball full field, you're trying to aim for somebody's chest. Their chest, aim, but something so like that they boom, can maneuver. Chest, and then bike. Yeah, boom. Nice. If you want, if you want straight chest to go up, that's the best one, because these guys can chest and go straight up. These guys are just that athletic and that like crazy good with their body. Oh, I'd be doing I don't that. Know. I'd love doing that. I'd just be like throwing that bullet all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, Omar, you know, I, uh, we, we talked talked about gamification and all that stuff. Actually, Suske was on the, the one with Matt Doyle when we talked about gamification. I think this is a perf- perfect, uh, perfect use of, of gamification where like, you know, you can use beach soccer rules to teach kids how to come up with, you know, a, a, a solution to, to an, you know, to a problem and, and, and have an objective. Okay. Your objective is to hit the chest and stuff like that. Let's play some beach soccer, you know, because you're going to be forced to do these types of things, you know, you, you there, Omar? I don't understand. We're all like, Sorry, not. No, no, nobody got me. No, <laughs> nobody got what, <laughs> nobody like, what is Mike talking about? I mean, vacation. What? <laughs> I, what I meant was, is like, okay. As opposed to, as opposed to, you know, <laughs> as opposed to just putting restrictions on in a regular training okay, session, you know, you have your kids play beach soccer. <laughs> and with those rules, those <laughs> rules are going to teach them these skills. <laughs> I love that Omar's just laughing. It's now. super lame, but that's funny. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. It's coming in and out. And I have to leave like a or two, so I have to, uh... <laughs> Well, we'll have to have you, have you back on and talk about stuff that's not beach related because I want to talk to you about your career because you had a really good career too. And that's, that's something we want to yeah, talk about. Yeah, we got to get well, into but... UCLA stuff, how that's going and everything as well. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. Even though I get to see you every four days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to go, Juan. Yeah. Good luck, guys. I'll talk to you guys in a little bit. All right. Oh, Be safe. Some, hey, Juan, somebody right. asked um, how bad do goalkeeper gloves wear when playing competitive beach soccer? So, I mean, I like. At the time, I was wearing Roish, and I came back to Aviata. But those things, they not that they tear fast, but the grip goes away because the dust particles within the 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 sand, those things stay in, and it's hard to wash off. And when you wash off, so many times they just get really like slippery, and they the the grip kind of goes away, fades away. Huh. So I mean, and by the way, I—that's I, I, always the interesting thing to me with the with the beach soccer is that you know you're wearing just traditional gloves. There's no um, 
there's no specific uh there's no specific beach type gloves right like mm-hmm. gloves for beach soccer or anything yeah no there's not i mean the and, and i remember playing japan japan has a goalkeeper who doesn't wear gloves he just tapes his fingers which is pretty dope a lot a lot of futsal keep, keepers just tape their fingers also you know i teach just, my kids we've had this conversation a lot of my kids i teach without their gloves on when they first start number mm-hmm. one because usually their gloves suck Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some of them are too big for them and stuff like that. But I want them to learn how to catch a ball with their hand mm-hmm. and understand that it's your hand catching the ball, not the glove. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you know how I feel about finger saves. So I think they're just yeah. dumb. So I do. So. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I, I want no I want, sponsorships I to... for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely, that's definitely, that's definitely. <laughs> That's definitely cutting, uh, cutting up we'll a lot that. of, we'll <laughs> <edit that. laughs> a, a lot of, a lot of moments right there, right there. Um, um, one, uh, I, I do want to ask you about this because, you know, one of the things is that you said, I decided not to, you know, pursue a professional career. You, you were focused on academics, which big shout out to you. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, who, when they go and, and play at a level, like, you know, with the U17 national team and then UCLA and everything like that, everyone just assumes like, well, you have to go try to play MLS. Like, that's what you have to do. Like, you don't have a choice like that's, but you're like, no, you know, I have other, uh, other aspirations in my, in my life as well too. Um, what made you decide to continue on with the game? while you were pursuing those academics, get into the coaching and now get to UCLA? I mean, I traveled the world playing beach soccer and it's something I wouldn't have done if I played grass. You know, I, like I said, I've been to Greece, I've been to Dubai, I've been to the Bahamas, I've been to Mexico. It, and the list goes on and on and on because beach soccer took me there. You know, I think if I, and I was able to experience different culture, which is the beauty of, you know, soccer, it takes you out of what you're used to and you appreciate these things that other people, other cultures have and they kind of, hey, maybe I shouldn't judge. You know, it's something that we kind of need to learn still, I think, um, as the human race, you know. But um, I think that, you know, I wanted to also get a taste of what my degree can give me, you know, and, and, you know, it's a learning lesson. You know, I didn't want to be stuck at a table and desk and be there all day. I wanted to be out of the field and kind of go back to what kind of brought me brought me there, you know? And I yeah. felt like being a goalkeeper coach at as so and so was a good decision for me. Yeah. And now and now and now you and Saskia share the share the same field, you know. Um we got we got some great stories on that already, man. I mean, just, she uh, thinks she thinks it was me that kind of did that spot on the six. It wasn't me. I, I wasn't. No, Sam. <laughs> Sam accused you guys of doing it, and I'm like, Sam, I really think it was us. Sam's <laughs> like, stop tearing. They're like, stop tearing up the you know the six. Stop tearing up the goal mouth. And I'm like, Sam, I really think it was us. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I've never been there. Us. I have all my film. And you're like, my, and you're like, my my goal's all always over there, Sam. I swear. And I'm like, I'm like, I really think it was us. Stop I was like, this is my <laughs> second week here. Like, I'm not trying to get on anybody's bad side. <laughs> and she's like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well it's, it's actually it's actually a really cool thing you know in regards to back, back both both of you all obviously have you know had illustrious careers when it, and it came in playing playing in the game and everything like that both you guys are both first year 
goalkeeper coaches at UCLA this year, which is kind of a, a kind of a cool experience because you guys are kind of, you know, um, learning from each other, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. You know, um, Juan, you know, I know Susk, you know, told, told me a story, which, which she was very appreciative of the fact you said you, she, you came out to the field and you said, you know, Hey, can I, you know, watch the sessions and everything like that? I'd love to I'm learn. Like, can I watch yours? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to come out and kind of observe how, you know, you run your settings so I can go ahead and see and see what I can take. Um, you know, you're an 99er, you know what you're doing and you're at UCLA now and you're teaching these girls, you know, your methodology and, you know, it's something that really, really worked for you and it took you to the highest level that there is for U.S. soccer, you know, and that's something that I really want to learn. Unfortunately, I've been stuck with like doing video in the mornings and I have to introduce certain ideas to coaches, but I haven't been able to. <laughs> get to the field, but I will get there. I promise. I don't have to do that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to do some stuff. Juan, all, all you got to do is win a World Cup, and then you don't have to do that stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, tomorrow I'm going to the office. <laughs> like, we have a call. I was like, and then I text back. I go, where's the office again? <laughs> I don't think Amanda thought it was that funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> That's funny. Oh. <laughs> uh. No, but, but I, I love that fact though, because I think, you know, one of the things that a lot of pe people need to, who's a young goalkeeper coach out there is they need to understand is like, use the resources in front of you. You know, like I understand reaching out to me or Suski or Omar or anything like that on DM and asking questions, but we're not there. We're not there locally in your town. So mm -hmm. if there, if you're at a college and there's the, the women's coach or, you know, um, a, a club coach in the area or whatever, like use the resources within your like local range, you know, because mm -hmm. you're going to be able to get so much, so much out of, out, out of that, you know, um, mm -hmm. just like, like you were saying, it's like, you can walk over to her session. She can walk over to your session, you Absolutely. know, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's so important. I'm at one, as, as we wrap up right now, I want to kind of get back a, a little bit into beach soccer, man. I wish we had some more clips that you could show us of some beach games. I kind of, I kind of want to find I, some for next time. Yeah, yeah. De def definitely, man. Um, but what are what are some other alternate alternative training methods that you advise goalkeepers uh, to put into their programs outside of just sand training? Um, because I know, obviously, you know, you came from, for a lack of a better term, a non-traditional American goalkeeper uh, background. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I think there should be no, a lot it. more of that of their out, that out there. But um you know, you didn't come from the, you know, the, the traditional mold of like, I go to this goalkeeper camp, you know, and I work with this goalkeeper coach for privates and this is this, and I've been doing the same thing over and over again since I was seven yeah. years old. And anytime anything new is thrown at me, I don't know what to do. You know, you've had to kind of train on your own and, and be independent. Yeah. So yeah, I, I came out with, from IGA, from Big Joe, where he had his academy. Um, but I was that goalkeeper or that student of the game, that goalkeeper that after tournaments, you know, hey, Joe, what are you doing? Can I go to your house? Let's get into those box jumps. You know, after those weekends, I was at his gym, you know, using those plyometrics. And I think plyometrics was one of the main reasons why I made it to UCLA because my spring was one of the, the things that favored me the most. My spring and my reaction time and my ability to ding a ball from one spot to the other, from the seven, you know, all the way down to the nine, or even hit a somebody to the chest if you're the highest guy like the nine, you know? So it's just, yeah. you know, it's kind of, that's kind of what helped me out. But yeah, your plyometrics is one of the main, main things depending on your height, because for me, I needed to make it up, you know? No, I, I think I, I, you, you brought up a real, I was huge on plyometrics. I'm a little guy and I had to be, um, you know, I had to, I, I got my vert to the point where I was able to, to dunk a small ball over, over the hoop at, at my, 
at my peak. And honestly, I don't think I could have played at the level that I did if I hadn't been able to do all that work. And, you know, and I really thank all my sports performance coaches when I was in high school, because I didn't really, I didn't really know a lot about goalkeeping. Um, I was more of a basketball player and, and then the sports performance guys, you know, I would learn, you know, I was, I was able to take all of that translate over to the soccer field. And then once I actually got to college and actually had a real goalkeeper coach, you know, kind of for the first time, um, which I don't think a lot of kids out there get that, you know, I'm not, not like I'm, I'm that old, you know, or anything like that, but it wasn't that, <laughs> but, but, but no, we can attest to, it's like, it wasn't that long ago that like, not everybody was working with a goalkeeper coach since they were six oh, God, years no. old. Mm-hmm. You no. know? And yeah, still no. today, there aren't that many. Yeah. No, the one, there aren't that many qual. Let me fix that quality ones. Yeah, you have a lot of like like Sasuke said. There's a lot of uh, internet influenced goalkeeper coaches, and there's a lot of players that are internet influenced, and that's where you have you know these things that come out. Even even some goalkeeper coaches, their ego gets to them, and they don't want to ask questions from the academy next to them because they think they know it all. But that's not how it should work. Everybody has a goalkeeper coach. You should be able to and open to have these conversations like we're having here. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, one, the last thing I, I want to say, you know, and, and Susky and I, we've, we've been bit very big about this Omar as well, too. I'll speak for him since he's not here right now, um, is the identification of, uh, of goalkeepers out there uh, in this country and that we need to do a better job of that. You know, um, you know, Susky and I obviously have had the conversations like how many kids are just overlooked because they're not at this club or they're not in this, this location or whatever, this, this traditional hotbed or whatever, you know, um, I know that's something you're a very big proponent of is that we need to start, we need to start looking at some of these underrepresented areas, you know, um, with, a, with a population that might not be, you know, a traditional goalkeeping, you know, hotbed and, and start, start really mining those areas and really, you know, getting into those communities and really, and, and really finding that talent. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll find some of the best athletes in the inner cities mm-hmm. because those kids understand what it is to not have anything. And they want to get a taste of what it's like to be at a UCLA, to travel the world, to have new cleats when I want them, to have new gloves when I want them. When I went to UCLA, I was like, man, this is a whole new city. I get 15 pairs of gloves. I get three pairs of cleats. I get this gear. Wow, I'm going to bust my, just to stay here. You know, whether it's that's through my academics, through my performance, through the person that I am. But I also got to remember where I'm coming from because now, I don't want to be this big head, right? And just like walk around campus like that. So, I mean, those kids there, and, and it's hard to find because they're influenced by other things around them. And I see that all the time. And, you know, I tell people, I, I want to go to these schools and just talk just so I can be an influencer Absolutely. for a little bit. If I can spark someone's interest, hey, or have someone ask me a question, I can have that one-on-one and hey, maybe that's the difference. But, you know, that's what I think. I think more people, more eyes should be out in the inner cities because those are the ones that need resources. Yeah, I think yeah. one of the good things is U.S. Soccer Foundation is um, committed to build is it 300 something amount of futsal courses in inner cities in, mm-hmm. on the blacktops at schools. So instead mm-hmm. of it just being a basketball court and a tetherball or whatever, they, um, we opened one up right in downtown L.A., um, with LAFC. That's awesome. It's gorgeous. And now mm-hmm. the kids go out and when they're on break and when they're this, there's an, a, a futsal course there. Mm-hmm. And, and that just helped help promote 
these athletes and these players giving them those resources to, you know, and we have to look at them. We have to go and spend time and, and recruit and look and, and see what's out there because, you know, it can't just be in the Palisades, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I'm sure one day you know, we'll find a gem and it's going to be shining real bright and we're going to be glad we went. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, com- I mean, com- completely. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, as, as we wrap up right now, I think, you know, one thing that, that needs to be a little bit more of a focus as well too, is that there's all these unregistered leagues out there, you know, um, and there's a lot of great talent in these unregistered leagues that, you know, that aren't, aren't playing in coast or SCDSL or ECNL or, or DA or whatever. And, and you need to go out and you need to find that talent. And the only reason they're playing there and not playing in the DA or, or, or ECNL or whatever is because no one's given the Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the resources really is the resources. Like they can't get to the field there. Exactly. You know? they can't exactly. They can't, they can't, you know, even if you have scholarships, like let's say the LA bulls out in Palisades, like even if you have scholarships and you have a player from downtown from the inner city or from downtown, how's it going to get there? How's she going to get there? How's she going to get to practice? At, in the evening and during rush hour mm-hmm. and be there How, how's that going to happen you know five buses later or like somebody has to drive them or something it's just not going to happen so you know there there are lots of hurdles mm-hmm. period yeah 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 and I, I mean obviously this is a that's a longer conversation and you know i mean we could talk about it oh, God. For, a, for, for a for a heck of a long time uh one before before we go right now if anybody out there, they want to, you know, reach out to you, they want to know either more about beach soccer, maybe they're interested in, in getting involved in the team in some capacity, um, or, you know, they, they're more you know, interested just in learning goalkeeping from you or, or doing some private sessions from you or whatever, where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Yeah, on, on Instagram at GKC mm-hmm. underscore Juancho. 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 All right. I, I love I need a I love fun it. name. I love it. And, and, and by the way, Saskia <laughs> Weber's, her, her, her social media is blowing up. You're you're gaining people left and right. I, you know, may, may, maybe it's all the celebrities that are giving you shouts outs. Oh, you like the Taryn Manning <laughs> shout out yesterday? That was sweet. Yeah, you're like, I, I, is I, that I, the real Taryn Manning? I'm like, yeah. I, I was like, I, I was like, I was like, I think I think some I think some Taryn Manning bot just followed Goalkeeper Podcast. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> She's a good friend. Oh my gosh. Um, remember guys, you can reach out to Saskia Weber at Saskia underscore Weber on all social media platforms contacted inside the 18. That's the number 18 media.com. If you have a guest suggestion or topic suggestion at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms. If you guys are in the Gardena area tonight, I will be performing on stage for the first time <laughs> since March 12th. Woo! Not a Zoom show, Actually in person. Uh, it's a good thing. Works. Apparently after last night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk we about a, that. So yeah, we had, we had a zoom, Juan, we had a zoom bomb last night. What is that? He did not. Oh. They had a bomb show last night. Yeah. Yeah. They had a <laughs> oh, oh, I see. I see. Yeah. 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 I think I, it's okay. Yeah. You'll recover. You'll recover tonight. Oh my God. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. Cause uh, like all sorts crickets. of inappropriate, all sorts of inappropriate content comes through and it's, not- hey, but tonight you bounce back. There you go. Yeah, Gardena, exactly. look out. G- Gardena, look out, look out uh, guys, or the zoom show every Tuesday at eight 30 on comedy and English. Um, all right, guys, that's all the time on inside the 18 and we are out later guys. Bye guys. Yeah.